I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Bring, bring it bring it to the Hello and welcome back to the EPL Roundtable. I'm your host, Kevin DeVries, and as always, if you'd like to reach us at the podcast, you can do so by either tweeting us at EPL Roundtable or emailing us at EPLRoundtable at gmail.com. Well, it's finally here. You saw it in the title if you clicked on this. We're finally at the 2019-2020 season review podcast. Of course, joining me as always when we finish a season is Dave Hendrick. Uh, Dave, tell the folks where they can find you these days. Well, they can find me as part of the, the new rebranded EPL Index, um, new podcast. Uh, the two-footed podcast out now uh, so the second part of this will be going up on that feed um, so if you search two-footed podcast on uh, on spotify you'll get it there you can tweet me at, e- uh, at epl epl roundtable you can tweet me at the epl index uh, twitter <laughs> account or you can tweet me at two-footed pod or email me two-footed podcast at gmail.com yeah, and of course, when that half comes out, we'll we'll push it through EPL Roundtable and the EPL Index Twitter as well. So you'll definitely see it, and awesome to see uh, a little bit of movement on the EPL Index side now, and excited that you're a part of it, to be sure. Another thing that's exciting <laughs> is that the season is finally over. <laughs> but yes. More than 12 months <laughs> of football this year leads to incredible stats like Wolves winning two different Europa League matches in two different Julys in the same season. Uh, just just an absolute slog of a year, of course, interrupted by the COVID delay. What did you just make of this crazy year on the whole? It's it's just been bananas. And obviously, as a Liverpool fan, it was very frustrating because we had the title wrapped up basically in like February. And then football stops in March before we get the chance to lift yeah. the trophy. And then we have to wait months <laughs> just to get our hands on it. But it has been so strange for everybody involved. Like you said, Wolves, their season actually overlapped. Their last game was over a year after their first game. We've had the qualifiers for the Europa League and Champions League start before <laughs> this year's finished. If you think that's bad, the Scottish Cup, the final is not going to be till December of this year. So Oof. they'll be half a season into next season and still playing last season's Scottish Cup final. Um, so for everybody, I think, just a very, very different type of year. Yeah, it's just been absurd. And like you said, for Liverpool fans, not only was it the weight, it was also the, I'm sure all of you knew something could go wrong. And like, are they going to void the season or something just to prevent <laughs> finally being That's able to the lift thing. the trophy? But it obviously didn't end up happening. We got to finish the season. And we did a lot of shows during the COVID suspension where we talked about how difficult it would be to get it right if the season was to restart. And, and I personally think they, they did about as well as they could. Um, and we got to play through the season. We got to see all of it. Yes, the fan experience was weird. The, the piped-in audio noise from a video game, a little strange. But uh, for the most part, I was just glad to have football back. 
Same. And I think you do have to give the Premier League credit. I do think they, they handled it really, really well. I think they were helped by having the Germans go first and sort of been able to yeah. pick up little hints and tips from them. Uh, I have to be honest, originally I was in favour of not restarting and maybe just finishing out the league on a points, points per game, game. Yeah, the, the way they did in other leagues. But, you know, I'm glad they, they restarted it. I think the, the calibre of football, by and large, was quite poor because an awful lot of the games had very little riding on them. I think we've seen a much higher calibre of football in the Champions League and Europa mm. League games where they, where they actually matter. And I think some of the relegation battle games were, were quite good. Some of the top four battle games were quite good, but for like Liverpool and City, there was nothing really to play for. For the the mid table, there was an awful lot of bad games, an awful <laughs> lot of bad games, and you know you can put it down to to the fans or lack of fans, but I I just think the players had nothing to play for, and it was just a matter of let's just get through this, let's get to pre season, and we'll reload up for next year because we're going to start next season with no fans, but I will guarantee that the calibre of football, at least in the early weeks, will be better. I think next I think I do think we're gonna see some bad football played again towards the end of next season, because I think everybody's just gonna be so tired. And getting ready for the Euros, which of course were pushed exactly. a year back. Uh, and you mentioned the the lower uh, stakes for a lot of clubs after the restart. Tottenham obviously not one of them. We we needed to play our asses off and to an extent did. But uh I do think it's interesting that the league, for the most part, avoided a lot of the soft tissue injuries that I thought would come after a random stoppage to the season and a restart. And I didn't really think about the fact that a lot of the, the matches were maybe a little less intense. And I'm wondering if maybe that helped players stay healthier uh, during such a weird circumstance. But you all know how weird this season was. If you're listening to this, you probably watched most of it. Um, so we will get into the clubs. Basically, what we're going to do, since it is... Uh, exactly three weeks to the start of the season at time of recording uh, is we're going to obviously review last season while also kind of giving it a preview lean uh, towards next season. Of course, at the season end review, we also talk about kind of the weaknesses in the squads and where they should improve in the summer, even though it's about to be fall. Uh, so we will get into it right away. I'll lead off with Arsenal. Um, a bit of a weird season for themselves, all COVID's to the side. Obviously, they start off with Emery. They're pretty disappointed. They switch to Arteta in the middle of it. Um, but they do end up winning the FA Cup under Arteta, so it, it paid off in that way, at least. Uh, but for the season, this this may seem harsh to start the show, but I've given them a D. Um, it just feels like, even with Arteta and even with promising players... The, the fall from grace is just kind of continuing. They went from used to win titles to used to contend for titles to used to always get top four to used to contend to top four. Then they were a lock for top six, and now they failed to even make that. It's, it's a pretty linear regression um, for them. There's still a lot of talent there, obviously, um, but it, it, the, the league form just continues to, to drop year on year. Um, another FA Win Cup, as I mentioned, adds another trophy to the cabinet and ensures Arsenal European football, even though they missed out on that top six. So that's still uh, good for them. But considering what their expectations were coming into the season, I mean, finishing seventh or seventh, eighth, eighth. eighth. Oof, that's, that's, just, that's just really not good enough. Um, there, were, there were bright spots. I thought Tierney looked excellent. Once uh, he got healthy, which is of little surprise to those that had uh, watched him before he made that move. Ceballos started to look a lot better after the restart, but time will tell if he actually winds up staying. Some of the youngsters that came through look promising. I like the look of Saka 
uh, in particular at, at times. And uh, Martinez stepped up in a huge way um, after the injury to Leno. So there were bright spots, but that's most of them. Uh, a lot of other players disappointing. The the defense just simply not good enough. Uh, David Luiz, arguably being your best defender and also your most error-prone defender, is is not a good combination of things. Um, it does look like they're going to be addressing that, that position, as we'll come to in a second. But if Pepe continues to underplay, if Aubameyang continues to be played on the wing, if they don't sort out a defensive midfielder, if they don't sort out at least one center back, obviously they do have uh, Saliba coming back. I, I don't know how soon this is going to get better. I mean, the idea of spending the same kind of wages on a 30-plus-year-old Willian, on a 30-plus-year-old Aubameyang, when you're aiming for them both to play in wide spaces, I it, it doesn't feel like the things that they're doing. Also, releasing half of their scouting department and going with an agent-based strategy. I Last year, obviously, a massive disappointment for Arsenal, but if they finish somewhere between 5th and 7th next year, I don't think it'll be a shock anymore. I think that's kind of where they're heading. Yeah, I agree. Um, I, I think there's reason for Arsenal fans to be um, to be ha- happy with, with their you know, outlook for the next three years, maybe, but maybe not for next season. Um, I think you look through the squad and I wouldn't be sold on either goalkeeper... I know Leno had a pretty good year and Martinez did well when he came in. But let's look at the career of Leno. Last year as an outlier. He has been an average or below goalkeeper most of his career. He's a good shot stopper, but he makes mistakes. Positionally, I wouldn't yeah. Be, yeah, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be sold on him as a goalkeeper. I think Martinez as a, as a backup is, is a great option. I think he'd be one of the better backups in the league. But I, I would sell Leno and look to move move in a different direction, but that's just me. In in defence, they have been a calamity for years now. I mean, this is the club that overhyped Koscielny, who was just above average. Mertesacker uh, tried to make out that Mustafi was it was a top defender. Like you say, David Luiz, uh, Socrates, Holding, Callum Chambers. It's just been disappointment after disappointment after disappointment in the central area. Now, what Arteta needs to figure out is, is he a 4-3-3 guy or is he a 3-4-3 guy? He needs to figure it out because we saw him switch to the 3-4-3 for like the bigger games against good teams. That's the mark of a spoofer, in my view. That's the mark of somebody who doesn't know how to set up a defense correctly. They do that as a panic. Lampard does it, Eddie Howe does it, Ole Gunnar Solskjaer does it, Brendan Rodgers does it. None of them good defensive coaches. Mm. So I think he needs to figure it out. What I will say is, Kieran Tierney is going to be one of the best left backs in the Premier League for He's the next really six, good. seven years. He's brilliant. He is brilliant. I love that signing when he went there. I thought it was a great move. I thought getting him and... And I know they loaned him for the year, but getting those two, that's getting two long-term pieces for your back four. It looks like they're going to bring in Gabriel from Lille. Now you've got three quarters of a defence. The problem they have is they don't have a right back who's best in a four. They have Bellerin, who's a wing back, Maitland Niles, who's a wing back, and Cedric, who's probably better as a wing back as well. So I, I there's rumors that Maitland Niles and Bellerin are both maybe on the on the off this year. So it's possible they'll go and buy a good right back. 
Um, and if they do, then they have boxed off their back four for years to come. But then you look in front of that in the midfield, and I mean, Xhaka, yeah, he had a bit of a resurgence at the end of the year, but how long has he been at Arsenal? How long have we been waiting for Xhaka to step up and, and mm -hmm. be a top-end player? It, it's not going to happen, I don't think, at this point. Sabayas had a good second half of the season, but they don't own him, and it, it doesn't appear like he wants to move to England permanently. I think Saka could be an immense eight in a midfield three. Yeah. I think he is the one piece you can look at in that midfield three and go, yes, absolutely, he is going to be exceptional. If they do want to play a 3-4-3, three, three, he's a brilliant left wing back. And then you could have Bellerin as your right wing back and go with Saliba, Gabriel and Tierney as your back three. I'd probably be inclined actually to play Tierney in the middle because I think he's the most vocal and I think he's the best defender of the three at the moment. So that's a, that's a back three I could get on board with and those two wing backs. But then you've got nobody in midfield that you can really rely on. Rumours are they want, uh, want Tomas from Atletico Madrid. He's a great player, but he's got a big buyout, 50 million. They don't seem to fancy Torreira, even though I think he could be really good in the three. Yeah. Um, up front, I think they're, I think they're in great shape. I really do. I think, I, I think we'll see more from Pepe next year. I don't think Lacazette will have as bad a year again. And Aubameyang's one of the best players in the league. And then you have Reese Nelson, Eddie Nketiah, and Gabriel Martinelli, who I thought looked he was great good. before the injury. Yeah, really, really high end prospect. And then they add Willian. I just I don't like that move for them. I think it's going in the wrong direction. I think they should be looking to clear out older, high-earning players. With the lone exception of Aubameyang, he's the only one I'd keep. But Luis, uh, Mustafi, Ozil, I'd be trying to get rid of them all. If if they won't, if if Ozil won't go, just sit down with him and say, look, let's we'll let's just buy out your contract. We've seen Juventus do it in recent days. Yeah, with with Higuain. I know it would eat into their budget, but I do think they could benefit from, you know, additional. Also, they're going to have to pay that money anyway. Exactly. Like, it would cost them money now, but they're already going to have to pay the same amount over the season. That's the thing. And look, you can work a deal with them where you say, look, go and find any club you want to play for anywhere in the world and find out what their best offer for you is. And if that offer is you know, it's a hundred grand a week and we currently pay you three fifty. That means we owe you twelve million in difference of salary over which is a phenomenal amount of money. Can we make a deal at ten? Can we give you ten million now? We shake hands, we thank you for everything you've done at the club. You've had spells where you've been brilliant, but it hasn't always been great. Can we give you ten million and just say thank you and goodbye? And then you're saving seven million across the year. That's money that can go to long-term deals mm. for you know some of these younger players. I, if I was an Arsenal fan, I'd be really happy about the long-term prospects of the club. In terms of you know, I think Arteta will prove to be a good manager. I think he's a very intelligent person. He was obviously a very intelligent player. He's had good schooling under Pep, but I do think he's his own man. I don't think he's going to be a Pep clone. Um, I think he's more suited to managing in England for the long term than Pep as well. I think you get 10 years from Arteta. I think Arsenal are in good shape long term, but I think short term moves like Willian do slow that progress. Yeah. It's an awful lot of money. To, like he doesn't make you jump from eighth to fourth. Nope. And Gabriel point. won't do it either. And Saliba won't do it either because a young centre-back's coming into a new league. 
I they might end the up move, as a pair together in both of their first yeah. years in the Premier League. And that's tough. That is tough. Yeah, regardless of have, talent, which they obviously both have. Exactly. Exactly. That's the thing. They have great talent. But I think I, I would, for the year, I would give them a C minus, um, largely because of the likes of Saka, Martinelli, Tierney coming back towards the end of the season. I think there's good players there, and, and they've always had a very good academy. I mean, you just need to look at the likes of Serge Gnabry, the likes of Jeffrey Adelaide, the likes mm. of Benneker at, 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 at Milan. Who they probably uh, should have the, just kept in hindsight. <laughs> all three of them walk into the Arsenal team at present. Daniel Malin would be a great option to have off the bench. They do produce good players. My worry with the signing of a Willian is... Well, whose minutes is he taking? Pepe's. Because I mean, unless it Lac- seems one for one. Unless Lacazette leaves, mm. then you're either talking about hampering your record signing, who really should be playing every game next year in his second year in the league, or he's taking minutes from one of those three young players, Nelson, Enketia, or Martinelli. Now, they're, I think they're different tiers of prospects. I think Martinelli is Agreed. the best, then Enketia, then Nelson. But... Who would have, who would have said Serge Gnabry was going to go on to be one of the best wingers in the world when he was leaving Arsenal? Not many. I mean, it was still an uproar because they were losing him for basically nothing. But basically nothing. But nobody saw this coming. Who knows what Reese Nelson could do somewhere else? When he went to the Bundesliga on loan, he was brilliant for the first six months. There's talent in that boy, and mm. in the right system, he might be really, really good. So for for me, I'd be looking at it if I was an Arsenal fan and going, we want to keep these best players here, these great young players. And we'll develop them. And at the very worst, they're squad players that we then sell on for 20 million, not 3 million. Right. Yeah, at know? least so get I the money out of your academy. Summer. Right. Exactly. And make your, make your academy self-sufficient. Make your club self-sufficient. Boost your, uh, boost your, your transfer budget because we know that, that uh, Stan Kroenke doesn't like to spend a whole lot of his own money. Um, I, I think there's green shoots for Arsenal. I, I do. I'm, I'm a bit higher on them than a lot of people at the moment. But I think Willian is a, is a slight step in the wrong direction. But I think Gabriel recorrects the course and, and hopefully they have a good summer because I think the league needs the, the top clubs to be strong. I think from a global point of view, from you know a financial point of view, it, it makes sense when Arsenal and Spurs and now United and Chelsea are back you know, in amongst the mix. I think... Mm. It's it's always great to see the the, the the you know the more mid table clubs make that you know that rush on the top four. Yeah. But from a sporting point of view, it does benefit to to have a strong Arsenal. They're they're one of the with respect, Kev. Arsenal are one of the three biggest thing, teams in the country. It's it's Liverpool, United, and Arsenal traditionally. Now the big six, obviously, City and Chelsea, with with the influx of money and Spurs, the way you guys have built. Over the last what ten, twelve years, mm. you've you've propelled yourselves into that top six. But Arsenal are a traditional massive club, and I think the league is better when they're strong. Yeah, uh, obviously hard disagree on their <laughs> standing as a club. But um, uh, that having been said, yeah. So you you gave them a C minus. I gave them a D. Uh, we already mentioned a lot of their positions of need centre back. We're talking as though they've already signed. Uh, Gabriel, which time will tell. Apparently, Napoli would really like him if they sell Koulibaly. 
Um, and that would be an easy deal to make for them, considering they, they've already got all that uh, a Simhen goodwill. Mm. Um, but uh, as things kind of stand with, it, I guess I'm acting as though Ceballos and Gabriel both rock up uh, to the Emirates next season. If that happens, I have them at six. Yeah, I mean, I don't think you can play Ceballos and Saka in the same midfield. So I think you end up with Ceballos, Xhaka, and and one. So they need one in midfield. I think they're 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 sorted up front, especially with Willian in the door. Now that's seven bodies for three spots. Um, the, you know, apparently Hasim Aour from Leon is a target. I think if he comes, there's no Ceballos, which is fine. He's a better player. Um, but it means Saka is, is on the out a little bit. Yeah. Uh, they need a right back. If they're going to play a back four, they need a right back. I think they need a goalkeeper, but they'll disagree. I wouldn't. It, it's not a need for this summer, but long term. So this summer, right back if Bellerin goes, but fine otherwise. Uh, get Gabriel over the line. And I'd be looking to bring in at least two in midfield. Um even if Sabias arrives, I still think they need mm. they need two in midfield. They were really low in chances created, and there there were brief flutters towards Buendia, which I think would be a really good signing for them. Buendia is a fantastic player. I just I don't know how he fits because you're already assuming that one of Sabias or Saka is at the tip of the three. Yeah, and and I don't mm. think he can play in a three. I don't think you, you'll get. Yeah, him maybe not. In a three. Maybe I not. think he's best in a four-two-three-one, floating off the left. There's a bunch of Premier League clubs that he would make a ton of sense for. Um, I also don't know that he's a top four caliber player, which I think is what Arsenal should be aiming for. Players True. who either are or can be top four. Yeah, I although I do think this coming window, we are going to see a lot of those kind of bargain purchases with people playing at the upside because uh, spending money is still going to be a little yeah. bit scary with no fans uh, still in the stands. All right, that's enough talking about Arsenal. We'll come to you next to talk about Aston Villa, obviously, uh, they left it late, got a little lucky with the with the Hawkeye call, but uh, on the whole, staying up was the objective, and they did it. Exactly the thing. Staying up was the only objective for them coming into this season, and by hook or by crook, they, they managed it, so nothing else matters. Like, they shouldn't overthink it, they shouldn't be looking back. The bottom line is they go into next season as a Premier League team. That's the only thing that they should concern themselves with. Now, I do think that going into next season, there'll be much higher expectations because of the ownership, who they are, how much money they've invested, how much they're likely to invest this coming season. I think last season, in, in, in terms of the, the transfer market, I think it was a little bit of a scattergun approach. They obviously kept House, Mings and El Ghazi, who'd helped them get promoted, and then they brought in... I think they brought in 17 players over this over the and course of the 18 season. of them were Belgian. <laughs> yeah, you know, it was a strange thing. And then they sold a bunch, released a bunch and loaned a bunch. And that that sporting director just went buck wild. He was like, "Oh, I'm Harry Redknapp. I'm going to wheel and deal. It's going to be great. They'll have me on Sky hanging out the window of a car. This is the dream." And now he's been sacked. So, um I do, I don't think you can look at their their transfer policy last year and say it was a success. Um, Heaton obviously a good signing but got hurt Wesley got hurt but hadn't really impressed um, Mings I think grew into the season I thought he was quite poor for about 4 or 5 months but really really stepped up from January on Esri Consa grew in I think I think it's a B 
because I think the objective was to stay up. But I don't think you can give them an A because I mean they, they literally scraped up. So I give them a B, but I think there's a lot to be positive about for Villa looking ahead. I think this summer, I have an article coming on EPL Index, actually, and I might as well just give it away now because it might be out by this <laughs> time this comes out. I think they just need to go for quality over quantity. I think they need four starters, depending on what they do with Grealish. If Grealish stays and this talk he's going to play in midfield, they can't play him in a 4-3-3 because their record with him in midfield in a 4-3-3 is one win from 11 good. games. It's horrendous. I think they took five points from those 11 games. That's a, 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 an atrocity. So they have two options. Either go 4-2-3-1 or go for a diamond. And I think a diamond will suit them better because they still get their three midfielders. Grealish can play in a centralized area right behind the front two. They've been linked, obviously, with Ollie Watkins. I think he's a good signing for them. Milot Rashika, I think he'd be a really good signing. If I was them, even though I think Tom Heaton's a good keeper, he's 34, he's coming off a bad injury, I would be calling United about Dean Henderson and seeing if I can get a loan. Even if you mm. have to sweeten the pot and say, look, we will give you first first refusal on Jack Grealish next summer Yeah. if we if he decides to leave. I th- I think Dean Henderson would be a really good addition there. And I think they could look to repeat what they did with Douglas Louise. Look at some of the top teams in the league and look at what midfielders aren't getting game time. I think Ross Barkley would be a great signing for them. Mm. I think you put Barkley into a midfield diamond with Louise at the, at the deepest role, Grealish at the 10, Barkley in the more attacking box-to-box role. With Grealish, I think you get goals and creativity from both. Barkley's all-round game has improved since going to Chelsea, even yeah. though he hasn't always been a regular. And I think they could look at someone like a Marco Grujic at Liverpool and say, right, there's the more defensive-minded of the midfield box-to-box players. Mm. He had two great seasons at Hertha Berlin. He's definitely available. I think if they added Grealish, or Barkley and Grujic with Luis and Grealish, and then you have Nakamba, Hurahan, uh, McGinn and Jota as your backup for that's really strong yeah up front Watkins and Rashika with with Samata and Wesley I think that's strong you've got your two wingers that can give you versatility and options can play up front can play through the middle if you need them to and if you're playing and in a diamond you don't need them as much anyway no exactly and I think at the back just stay the course don't mess around with it you've got uh, Gilbert who's a good right back Matty Target who's a good left back Mings is a solid centre-back. It's about who's the partner. House, Konza, or Engels. They all yeah. offer different things. Rotate them. I think I think Konza's the one long-term, but Engels maybe this season. Mm. I think the def- defensively, the James Bree comes back off loan. There's your backup right-back. You've got the backup left-back. I think defensively, just stick with what you have. Mm. I think there was enough we saw with that defence this season. I'd be really positive if I was a Villa fan. I think with the ownership they have, with the ambition they have, the money they're going to invest, Grealish seems to be happy to stay. I'd be really, really excited for next season if I was a Villa fan. I'll give them a B. Like I say, I think they need four or five signings for next summer, depending on what they do with the goalkeeper. If they don't sign a starter, they need a backup. um, Because, you know, their backup situation was not good last year. Um, but yeah, I'd be really positive if I was a Villa fan. Yeah, I've, I've gone for a C plus, which is a, a little more rude than you. I, I think the fact that I know that if Hawkeye, which has been wrong like twice in its history, 
hadn't gotten that wrong that that they would have gone down but a it's very hard to nitpick individual circumstances that one was just so crazy um and it is a results-based business so you know it can't be anything worse than that and they did stay up but oof oof wasn't it close and and they talked a bit of a big game uh coming up so uh I think they were probably a little disappointed with how the season went, but obviously delighted with the end result. Uh, if they make some of the, the transfers that you mentioned, you said feeling a little promising for next year, if you had to way too early predict where they're going to wind up in the table next season, what did you think? I would say 11th to 13th would be, you know, a, a fair aim for them next season. Now, I do think if they're in a relegation battle again next season, I think they might look to change the map. Um, if you look at the track record of who their owners are, in particular the American gentleman who owns the Milwaukee Bucks, mm. he wants success. He doesn't hang around. Jason Kidd was a really good coach for the Bucks, binned him off and got right. Budenholzer in. <laughs> yeah. You know, so <laughs> I think he could do the same. Uh, if Smith doesn't produce, I think he'll do the same. They're owned by mega rich people. They, they are owners who could if they wanted just go full Abramovich but they won't they'll build slowly they'll build steadily they won't run before they can walk but I think they've got to be looking at getting themselves into mid-table next season maybe get a cup run um I'll say 11th next season well this is this is by far the the biggest difference that I anticipate I have them in 18th I I saw the exact same scenario that you said early struggles and then a managerial switch but I think I'm thinking they'd get it wrong and it sounds like you think if that happened, they'd get it right, or that they'll avoid that situation altogether. I think I think Villa would be a, will be a really attractive job. Mm. Like I think if they got rid of Dean Smith tomorrow, I genuinely think they could go and convince Pochettino that that's the right club for him. If he was as interested in Newcastle as he was, I mean, yeah, they'll you're... have they won't they won't spend stupidly but they'll have plenty of money they're talking about spending another 100 million last this season after spending 130 or something last year there's already i think the the bones of a good team there it's a big club with a big fan base with great history i mean you know they're one of the most successful clubs in the history of english football they've got more league titles than chelsea and city they're one of the you know record fa cup winners record league cup winners their European Cup winner. And I know it's a long time ago, but if they sell it properly and say, look, this is our history, but this is where we want to go again. This is the ambition we have. We don't just want to get 11th. We want to get 11th this year. And then next year we want to get 7th. And then the following year, in year four of this project in the Premier League, we're going to load up and go for top four. We have the money. We're a big, big club. I mean, how many clubs legitimately are bigger than Aston Villa? I would say other than the top six, no one else in England. And I think mm. it, it's only in recent years that, with respect, that Spurs, City and Chelsea have passed. Now, recent, I mean the last kind of 20, 20 years. But I think 20 years ago, they were probably the fourth or fifth or sixth biggest club in the league. I think Villa's a big club. I think they'll be ambitious and I think they'd be attractive to... A manager like Pochettino, he's he's not getting shine for the big jobs right now. 
Yeah, I, I think as Spurs fans, we were like, okay, that's okay. He left. He'll get a huge job, win trophies, and then come back because he mentioned that he wants to come back and win titles with us, but he'd have to do it elsewhere first. And uh, mm-hmm. yeah, the the fact that he didn't really get a sniff at Juve or Barcelona, I think kind of speaks to his current standing in, in the football ownership circles, which is probably wrong, but... I do know. wonder if he's if he's pricing himself potentially at a job still by demanding a massive salary that... It could be that, or people job. might see how tired he is. Like, what if he wasn't tired of the Tottenham project? What if he's just tired of management? Tired. Yeah. Absolutely could be the case. Um, all right, we'll move on to Bournemouth now. Uh, we'll, we'll start off with a question for you, Dave. Because in my history as a football fan, which obviously is shorter than yours, I can't remember a more talented side going down. I'm not sure if that's a dig at my age, Kev, or, or what, but... Um, I think it's a dig no, about they're, me they're, being an American uh, football fan. <laughs> they're, definitely, they're definitely one of the most talented teams I've seen get relegated. I wrote a piece on, on EPL Index, uh, you know, about why I think it happened. But, I mean, with the players that they had, I think Eddie Howe has to take a massive, massive chunk of the blame I think un- unfortunate with the injuries that Lewis Cook carried into the year following yeah. the ACL tear, and then David Brooks was their most creative outlet. But I mean, you know, Callum Wilson's an England international. Ryan Fraser's a good player. Brooks, um, King, King Billing is a good player. Lerma's a good player. Aki's a good player. I-, I think part of it was his refusal to move on from. Your Steve Francis's, yeah. Your Steve Cook, those type of guys. You know, like you look at the midfield and and some of the guys that were playing for them this season. You're just like, really, this is not where you should be at this point in your Premier League project. This was year five for them, and they're yeah. still playing guys that were in League One with them. And with with respect, they weren't good enough in the Premier League three years ago, let alone now. They they he never figured out how to set the defense up. They were always bottom five in the league defensively. Uh, which they just scored season. enough goals. And then all That's of a sudden exactly they didn't. The and then they didn't. Then the goals dried up. And they couldn't stop the flow at the other end. Like, but you look at, he brought in he brought in um, Lloyd Kelly and he barely played all year until the restart. And then he looked really good after the restart. Because he's really quite, good. <laughs> That's exactly it. You look at... You know, like they brought in Chris Metham from Brentford at a time when Metham was partnering Esri Konza, and you wonder how they picked the wrong one. The same thing with the right back they brought in from Luton when James Justin was also a right back at Luton and looked really good for Leicester this year. And for a couple of million more, they could have had him. Um, I, I just think, you know, like Dom Solanke for 20 odd million, Ibe for 15 million, who they've just released for free, just constant missteps on on transfers across the the last couple of years yeah um, and a refusal to transition from the old guard a little bit too much loyalty a rare thing in football <laughs> but a little bit too much loyalty i mean their season is an f yeah but it's it an f minus or whatever you can give <laughs> because of an, the talent that was there yeah it's an atrocity yeah. and now they're in i mean they're in bother they're their wage bill is not sustainable in the championship. Yeah, they're the owner has said all the right things, but I guarantee, if if you if you are running a football club right now and you make a call about anyone at that club, they are listening to offers for absolutely everybody. Yeah, 
Yeah, yeah. So totally agree on on the F. Um, you mentioned their their missteps missteps and transfers, and that was thinking something I was thinking about before uh, we came on was the the Ramsdale gamble. We we talked about this in in August. They sold Borch on deadline day. Well, I guess it wouldn't have been August. I guess it would have been September because that's uh, after the transfer window. Uh, but it was a huge gamble to be like, we think Ramsdale is good enough to keep us up this year, especially behind a defense that had had the struggles that we had mentioned. And I don't want this to be like an accusation of him individually because he actually wound up tied five in saves, but two of the other ones got relegated as well. Um, just because when you're in a team like that, you're forced to make a lot of those saves. He was decent, had a penalty save or two if memory serves as well. But they thought they could get away with it. And we were like, let's wait and see how a, a choice like that will go. Because if you're making gambles like that in such a key position, especially after getting so many other positions and transfers wrong, as we talk about notably with them be, basically being Liverpool's minor league club, um, how is a gamble like this going to work off? Work out? And he did fairly well, but they still got relegated and now they've sold him anyway. So what was the benefit of that? If the point of that was to get him minutes, you're fine if you stay up or go down, much like Eddie Howe. Maybe you go down, but he'd do really well in the championship. If that was the gamble you're playing, I'm not even going to say it was a bad gamble, but the way it worked out with you having neither of them anymore is just incredible. And and you're right. A lot of this has to be put at the feet of Eddie Howe. Mm. I'm kind of hesitant to do it, though. Uh, maybe I'm just wrong or biased. I just thought he was a really good manager, but it, you're not wrong. He he really struggled to get the best out of his defense that whole time with with rotating doors of some talented players. But the 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 gamble on Ramsdale, the gamble that how could get enough out of this talented squad, um, that too good to go down in air quotes and all that stuff is just crazy. And on top of that, like you said, everybody was worse. Wilson and King and Fraser and Lerma and Ake mm. and everybody else. Injuries to Brooks and, and Lewis Cook, like you mentioned. Uh, and then they, because of the poor purchasing, they didn't have anybody to step in for those underperforming or injured players. So like, yes, Hal probably got the tactics wrong. He probably lost the dressing room at, at a certain yeah, point. I think at, so. at least after the the, the return. Like they showed nothing. Um, they, they, there was until, no fight left in that. Team. No, until the last couple of matches, like they got the draw against us, where they could have uh, saved for VAR, won the winner. Uh, was it was it Leicester that they scored the equalizer in the ninety fourth minute? It got chalked off, and then they conceded at the other end. Yeah. I forget who that was against. Like um, the but, other factor with them, Kev, that that I think contributed a little bit was if you look at over the last two years, they were offered. 40 million for Callum Wilson. Said no. They paid about 3 million for. Yep. Uh, 30 million for um, for King, who they paid 1 million for. Mm-hmm. And 20 million for, for Frazier. And they turned it all down. Yep. Whereas they could have got 100 million and reinvested that. Instead, they carried forward players who I just think look like down tools. Ryan Frazier, definitely down tools. Oh, literally. <laughs> he literally, literally was like, I'm not coming down back. Tools. I mean, he should be ashamed of himself. Um, and any, the lack of interest in him, I think, is largely because of that. We were wondering yeah. what it would look like, and I've heard basically nothing anywhere near him. The only club I've heard actually hold a solid interest is Palace. And if actually, I was they, Palace, can really, I'd, they I'd, can really I'd, use him. <laughs> yeah, but I'd be concerned about his attitude. I really would. I just think you have to understand your place in the food chain. And Bournemouth's place is they're a club where players should go, develop, and be sold for a profit, and then that profit gets reinvested. But they That's tried the to maximize they what they had. 
Exactly. They didn't do it. They didn't do it. And that's a failing on them as well. Their transfer policy over the last few years has just been a disaster. I, I don't think we will see them in the Premier League within the next decade. Yeah, because best case, they sell all of these players and start anew. But worst mm-hmm. case, they get laden with all of these contracts and stuff. And like, if they did a double drop, not saying I expect it, but if they did, then they have to worry about the salary cap that now yeah. exists in League One. And then you're just... I, I can see them having a couple of years in the championship and then maybe dropping down again. I think they went with the, the, the cheap appointment as a manager, which didn't show ambition. Um, like you, I, I think Howe's a good coach. I think he's a very good attacking mind. I just don't think he ever figured it out defensively. If I was him, what I would do for the next 12 months, because like, I would take a, a 12-month uh, sabbatical, is I would call the likes of Antonio Conte, Diego Simeone, Pochettino, wherever he lands, and say, look, can I come and shadow you for a month? Yeah. Can I come and can I come and pick your brain? Because I think unless he goes and learns how to figure out how to coach a defense and set a defense up properly, he's never going to reach the the potential that he has as an attacking mind. It's one of the reasons he failed at Burnley, is that he couldn't figure it out defensively. Um, and it's it's I think it's the probably the biggest factor overall as to why they went down is just yeah. they couldn't stop goals going. In. Like you said, like <laughs> Ramsdale. <laughs> Talk about overworked and underpaid. I mean, that <laughs> poor kid literally was facing not underpaid know, now. point blank shots. <laughs> no, no, he's not going to be underpaid anymore. Um, it's a shame for Bournemouth because they were one of those kind of clubs that you really rooted for because of the story of how far they've come, you know, the size of the club and and you know where they'd been what twelve years ago or whatever mm. when when how originally took over. It, it's just a shame, but. Um, yeah, I think I think we I think they're in in quite a bit of bother. Yeah, yeah, definitely F's all around. And you mentioned how it would do well to take a twelve month sabbatical and learn more. But my assumption is by like November, some championship club will panic and get rid of their manager and bring him in, and he won't have that opportunity to uh, grow outside of a job. Um, Probably, but they, just as long as they don't give him control over transfers, he might be all right. Yeah, they they can uh, bring in Ibe and. Uh, Solanke. Uh, we'll move on to Brighton to you next. So uh, transfer-wise, we gave them a B in both mm. windows. Um, they they continue to stockpile young talent. I thought I thought the Trossard signing was good. Um, obviously, Mopai kind of became a fan favorite after the uh, Arsenal match. What, what did you make of their season on the whole, though? Yeah, I thought um, I, I thought it was really really good. I I know that. You know, fifteenth isn't this the sign of a good team, but when you factor in what they were from a playing point of view under Chris Hutton to what Graham Potter has made them now, it's a complete transformation. So to do that and you know stay up pretty comfortably, forty-one point seven above above Bournemouth in eighteenth, I think I think that's impressive. I do. I think there's a lot for Brighton to be really confident about if they bring back Ben White um, they have the possibility of going to a back three which it sounds like because they seem very reticent to let him go that's the thing and then you've got the likes of Veltman and Duffy as depth Um, they've just they've just re-signed how have they done the Veltman deal like with no anything surrounding it nobody knew nobody knew 950 grand for a player of that 
that caliber, that experience, that versatility, that's a tremendous signing. I'm not keen on the Lalana signing mm. because he's just he's broken, he's always hurt. And I think you've already got quite a number of better midfield players. Um, but but I can see the value in bringing him in from you know a setting the standard leadership experience point of view. Um, I worry a little bit with Dunk that they're not doing what Bournemouth have done in keeping a player that they would benefit more in the long run from selling. Because I think with Webster and White, they would have been. I think they would have been fine at centre back next year with Webster, White, and then Veltman and Duffy in, in, as depth depth options. Um, but you know, sticking with a with a back three or moving to a back three is absolutely something I'm always in favour of. Lamptey looks like more of a wing back anyway. I think they need Was a really left impressed wing by back. Him. Yeah, really, really good signing from from Chelsea. They need a left wing back. I like their options in midfield. I think they've got a group of talented players there. Um, They've got good attacking options as well. If I was them, I wouldn't try and do too much this summer. I think a left wing back, like Danny Rose, would oh, be yeah. absolutely perfect there because uh, it doesn't look like he's got any future left at Spurs. And if he wants to be in the recting for the England squad for next summer, he's going to have to play regularly. I think Rose as a wing back would be a good fit there um, because no one wants to see Dan Burns at, at Dan Burn at that. How did multiple people see like a six oh, foot eight human being as a left back? How did two different managers think that? I, it's madness. No, he, he's, he's not bad, but he's definitely a centre back. He's yeah, definitely a centre back, which is great for them if they're going to play a three because now you have a natural backup at left side centre back. Um, and he is surprisingly Webster. mobile, but he is yeah for his size. If I was them, Danny Rose and a, and, a, and a striker is what I would look for. Uh, a different profile of striker to what they have. You know, they've got the likes of Mope and Troussard, those small, nippy type of pl- types of players. I'd look to bring in someone with a bit more of a physical presence. We've just talked with Bournemouth, Callum Wilson. I know Spurs are rumoured to be in for him, but I think Callum Wilson, he's used to playing a similar enough style of football to what Brighton play under Potter. I think him and Mopay would cause a lot of teams a lot of problems. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. And if you added him and him and Rose, they're, they're experienced. They're both England internationals. You know, the big scalps for a club like that. That's what I'd do. Yeah. Yeah, the I'd Wilson. Give a, I'd give them a B plus for their season as well. 
Yeah, the Wilson one is is really interesting because uh, basically we have agreed on personal terms and he's just waiting to decide if he wants to move to a club. The, the other clear one right now is Villa. If he wants to move to a club where he'll definitely get minutes or if he wants to move to a bigger club. So it's it's really just fully in his corner. And yeah, I, I think uh, maybe Brighton a little less clear if he'd automatically start ahead of, of Mope, who, who did look good after the restart. But yeah, I mean, if they could get him and, and Rose, like you say, I'm still hoping Newcastle take Rose, but that's not looking as promising uh, at the moment. But yeah, I give them a B- minus on the season, just because I think 15th is disappointing considering what they were probably aiming at. Um, but, you know, stayed up. Potter looked good at times. There, there were ups and downs. The downs coming a little suspiciously right after the uh, contract uh, was extended there for for Potter, but there's a lot of young talented players there. We've talked about this in past windows that they've really been stockpiling mm. a lot. Like if they keep Percy Tau and, and McAllister next season, yeah. um, like there, there could be genuine excitement about how Brighton play. And I think a lot of people think of them as just like Burnley but in blue um, because of how good the defense has been at times. But th- there are talented players on their books now that could be really exciting to watch uh, going forward. Special. Yeah, for the sure, for sure. So I, I have them projected for 12th next season. I don't know how that rubs you. Yeah, yeah, that's that that's exactly lines up with what I think. I think they'll take a step forward. Um, I think White coming back improves them. Um, another year under Potter, another year of you know this more you know progressive style of football. And like I say, I think get in a, a left wing back and get in another striker, someone who can do a bit more of the physical side and take some of the attention away from Mope. You've got Mope, Trissard, um, McAllister that we mentioned. You know, you, you, you'd imagine the likes of Johan Bakesh and, and those kind of guys will all be moved on. But there's talent in midfield as well. The likes of um, Basuma and, and that is uh, Davy Proper, Moy. Gross. There's there's good good players there, mm. and if he has a lot of options at his disposal, he will he'll work out good teams. And um, yeah, I think twelfth is is definitely fair. Yeah, um, we'll move on to uh, Burnley next. Pretty hilarious since I just uh, name checked them. Um, I thought that they had a very good season considering. Uh, I've I've given them a B plus. Um, it may seem high to some, but if you look at the budget, if you look at the lack of depth in the squad, the injuries that they dealt with, finishing, I mean, you can call it top 10. They were literally 10th, but finishing top 10 is just incredible. I mean, they did briefly have a chance to flirt with the European spots, which they ended up falling short of, obviously. Uh, and while they were talking about it, it was obviously when we thought City was going to get banned. So there was going to be another spot at the bottom there. But after the restart, I mean, they were naming youth players in their team. They, I think one or two matches, they didn't even have their full bench, obviously with the uh, squad chain, the, the squad rules changes uh, post-COVID. But, I mean, it's, it's pretty impressive that, that they just missed out on the European spots by five points, a club like Burnley, with all the issues that they had. McNeil continues to look really good. Uh, Pope was incredible, won the Golden Glove. I think he's the first player from a non-top six club that's won it, or at least in, in some time, um, which is obviously a, a pretty cool achievement for him. Um, and outside of that, they're kind of unsexy players, I think, stepped up when they were needed, even in positions where they don't typically play, like how uh, uh, Cousin Jeff <laughs> there for you yeah. played right wing for like the majority of the season. 
um, which is just really, really impressive. Um, they had two players start every match, Tarkovsky and McNeil, end of list. That's that's how much rotation, injury, lack of form, just all of it. Just really, really not great. Um, so anyway, it's it's pretty impressive to me that they still finished 10th. Looking forward, I think the squad massively needs more depth. Um, but considering what they have or or uh, what they didn't have, I suppose, what, what Dyche and Burnley did this year, I think is is really impressive. How it how it projects to the future is really hard to say because they need to bring in so many players. And it's hard to say how they'll fit in or where they'll fit in or even if they'll do it because I think Dyche mentioned that they're going to be like $50 million in the hole just because of COVID. So not even sure if they're going to do much, but it, it's a B-plus for me this season. Yeah, I'd probably go a B for Burnley this year. I think, as you said, a lot of injuries um, to, to important parts of the team. Both fullbacks missed a lot of games. They had problems in the wide roles other than McNeil. Uh, Ashley Barnes missed half the season. Mm-hmm. Um, Jay Rodriguez missed half the season. Made them play Vidra for once, though, so that was interesting. <laughs> yeah, that was interesting. Um Vidra is is very much there. Dwight Gale, really good championship player, maybe not a Premier League caliber player. Um, like their spine is set with with Pope, me and Tarkovsky. Though I, I you know, Ben me, I, I think they could improve on him. Um, but you know, I I do appreciate that he is consistent for them. Um, Cork and Westwood in midfield, and then they brought in um. Brought in obviously uh, Brownhill mm-hmm. in January, and he, he just adds to that midfield, kind of neat and tidy, clever, good positionally, hardworking, does what they ask. I think they could do with bringing in. I mean, I, I genuinely think they probably need four, but they don't like to spend any money. Um, I, I think they could do with help at both fullback positions. Um, I think they probably do it an upgrade at right back and maybe just a, a backup left back to give Charlie Taylor a bit more, a bit more rest. Um, they've got great goalkeepers in in, in Nick Pope and uh, Bailey Keep Peacock Farrell, who they brought from Leeds. Um, they, they've just been that's one position they've been really good at since coming up to the Premier League. Other than the, the Joe Hart era, um, they're they're set in midfield. They've got you know good players there. I think I think they could do it one more up front as well. And because I think they'll get by in wide positions with you know if some of the players they have there midfield wise can just can just shift out wide. Mm. And in theory I, they should be good there with Bergamonson and uh and Robbie Brady. It's just they're both exactly. so injury prone. It's it's nuts that they had to play a central midfielder at right wing considering they have two talented right wingers. That's the thing. I mean, they, I know they were linked with Lalana. I think it's best that they didn't get him because I think Dyche would have broken him after about 20 minutes. Either that or volleyed him onto, like, you know, the nearest motorway after he did his fourth Cruyff turn. Um, I think they <laughs> could do with adding a little bit of depth at centre-back. The Ben Gibson thing didn't work for them at all. Made a decent amount of money that to bring him so in. That was so unreal that they were playing a empty bench and not their record signing at center back. Yeah. Woof. Do you know who I think would be a really good signing for them? And I think he's huh. the, they're the perfect club for him. Phil Jones. 
Ooh, a nice. Uh, I I had uh, I had John Stones as a cheeky one, but they'd never pay the money. They wouldn't pay the money, but I think Phil Jones will be available very cheap. Now he's on a good wage at United, but I think I think he'd take a pay cut. The Sean Dyche School of Central Defensive Learning has been very very good. I mean, we saw the jump that Michael Keane took under him. We've seen Tarkovsky develop. We've seen Ben Mee develop. Phil Jones is more talented than any of them. He's only 28. It's it's you know it's easy to write him off because he's become a bit of a figure of fun with the facial contortions and whatever. But like, let's remember who Phil Jones was when he first came through. He was the next big thing. He was the next England captain. He was going to be the leader of the team. He's he is a good defender when allowed to play his style of football. And his style of football is small spaces. Fullback tucked in one side, centre-back close to the other side. Not the big expansive game he's been put into at United. Not been asked to play holding midfield or a right-back. I think Phil Jones under Dyche next to Tarkovsky could be really, really good for them. And he can fill in midfield if you need him to. But I think Phil Jones would make sense for them. I really, really do. I think he'd be really good under Dyche because Dyche will simplify his game. Won't ask him to do anything he's not comfortable with. Won't ask him to carry the ball. Be a lot more similar to the schooling he got when he was at at Blackburn. I don't think the fee would be big. I think the wages are probably pushing the limits of what Burnley pay. But he he might take a good reduction to go and play regularly. The big thing for them is they have to keep hold of Dwight McNeil. He is yeah. He is a very very good player who would improve an awful lot of teams. I think they're lucky that COVID is a thing because I think otherwise they'd probably get a lot of clubs coming knocking on their door for him. Um, I expect a step backwards next season, if I'm honest. I could see them dropping to maybe 14th next season. I have them at 13th, (laughs) which is really funny, especially in juxtaposition there to uh, Brighton. I had just a spot ahead, so uh, a little... Close parody for there. Uh, yeah, I, I was wondering if maybe they'd want to go in the market for a right winger or a right back, even though they have them, but they're just always injury prone. But I mean, let's be honest, they're just going to do whatever cheap deals they can do, especially if things are as bad mm-hmm. as uh, Dyche said things are there for them financially. I, I'm honestly Don't be surprised, surprised that Nathaniel Klein ends up there. Interesting shout. Yeah, yeah, not a bad one at all. And I, I just wonder if maybe this is when they need to start purchasing internationally. Because like they've they've gone with a domestic purchase policy for a while now. Yeah. Like like maybe now is when you're like, you know, go go to France, League One or League Two, and get a right winger with pace that has played every match healthily for like two years in a row. <laughs> just just see if that is something that uh, can can support your squads so that you don't have to move the rest of the squad around every time you deal with injuries, but. Yeah, I, I don't expect much from them, but but a deal like that I think would be a great one. Also, uh, you know, we've seen some older player loans lately. Maybe that's something that they can do. Um, players that look yeah. like they're going to lose their positional battles at, at different clubs. But yeah, I, I don't think they're going to be better next year than this year. Although that does seem a little odd uh, in juxtaposition to us talking about how unlucky they were next year, but or last year. But we'll we'll see how things go for them for sure. Uh, we'll come to you next with Chelsea. Obviously started the year with the transfer ban. They get to January. They're finally going to spend. Then they don't spend at all. But hey, we found where all that money is based on all the deals that they're lining up right now. But what did you make of, of the inaugural Frank Lampard uh, campaign? Um, 
I think it's better than some people have made it out to be, but not as good as others have made it out to be. I think to finish fourth is an impressive achievement for Lampard in his first season there. But let's not pretend he was working with nothing. Um, it was It's a, an extremely strong squad that he inherited. Um, he, he, Chelsea fans said, oh, but we couldn't replace um, Hazard. Uh, I'm sorry, but Pulisic was the Hazard replacement. He was always the Hazard replacement. So I, I know, I'm not sure what they were talking about. Uh, he, Tammy Abraham came in, hadn't been at the club the previous year. Mason Mount the same. Tamori the same. I think he got the most out of a lot of players, but not out of any of the defenders. I think defensively they took a took a big step back this year. Yeah. Um, I think they've got a lot of work to do. Genuinely, of the top, the top four, I think they have by far the most that they need. Like if I look at that that team. Kepa, I think, is broken, and I don't think he's fixable, even though I think he's an awful lot better than we've seen at Chelsea. But he's played behind relatively poor defences the whole time there. Reese James is an absolute stud at right-back. I think he's going to be sensational for them for a decade. Mm -hmm. They obviously need a left-back. They're addressing that with Chilwell. It's an overpay. He's not a £50 million player by any stretch, but he's a good player. He's one of the better left-backs in the league. Uh, we talked about Tierney earlier. I'm not sure he's as good a defender as Tierney, but he's probably a little bit better going forward. Um, ideally, I think they would need two centre-backs because I don't think any of their centre-backs are are of the standard required. Maybe Christensen, but they don't seem to have the confidence in him and there isn't the right partner there for him. They seem high on Zoom at the minute, but a year ago they were telling us Rudiger was the best centre-back in the league after Van Dijk. So, you know... Um, yeah. All in all, I think I think a B for the season is fair. I think top four was was probably not the aim this year. I think this was a year to build, and I think I think Frank overachieved slightly league wise. If he'd won the FA Cup, I would have probably called it an A season for him. Yeah. Um, even though, like I say, like they've got one of the biggest wage bills, one of the most expensive squads. It's a squad of international stars, but you know, no transfer. You know, transfer ban and new new manager who's largely unproven. You know, he got the job because he's Frank Lampard. He didn't get the job because he's a great manager. Um, but they are gearing up for next season. There's going to be huge pressure on him next season. Huge, huge pressure. Yeah. If they bring in, they bring in Havertz. Like Which I really don't signing. want them to do. Oh, Just... no, neither, neither do I. Oh my god! Um, if I was his agent, genuine, and this is nothing against Chelsea. This is not against Chelsea. If I was his agent, I would be saying to him, look, let's wait a year and then Bayern Munich are going to want you. He could go anywhere in a year. Yeah. He's anywhere. Got, like, Pick the club. Say I'm showing up. This is my fee and people will pay it. Yeah, exactly. But I mean, can you imagine him going to Bayern with, with what to they To be have the Muller replacement? Yeah, exactly. Oh my God. Sensational. Sensational. Um, I think, you know, all in all, a good season for Chelsea and definitely reason to be excited. I mean, the, the attacking options they're going to have next year, Zayic and, and um, on once as, as did the right-wingers, um, Havertz and uh, Mason Mount as the, the tens, Werner and Abraham up front, Pulisic on the left, and I'm sure they'll find someone else to compete with him there. Um 
they, they've got reason to be excited. I thought I thought Kovacic had a really, really impressive season. Really, really impressive season and is, is the best suited midfielder to a two that they have. Uh it remains to see what happens with Kante net for next season. The injuries definitely slowed him. He's not he's not the player he was. But all in all, a good season, reason to be reason to be very, very excited if you're a Chelsea fan, especially with the window that they're shaping up to have. But they need to address that centre back situation or regardless of who they put up front, they're not finishing higher than fourth next year. Yeah, and they, they need probably a goalkeeper now immediately to, yeah. to solve that behind the defense as well. So you have Conte, who's a question mark in front of the defense. There are question marks in the defense, and there are question marks behind the defense. Like, I I get the idea of, like, get in Werner, you know, can we fully trust Tammy Abraham? You know, I, I, he was having a great season, but then at a certain point, Giroud was preferred. Um do you want another attacking midfielder? Well, well, you have Mount, and he was playing on the left, but then Pulisic got good, and so now Mount's playing centrally. And so, who are you going to play on the right? Well, you just gave Callum Hudson Odoi a huge contract last year to keep him at the club, then didn't play him because of Willie, and now he'd finally potentially get minutes, and now he might not again. It, it, all of this happening, and they're talking about all these millions upon millions of pounds for these players, and they're not improving the defense. It, it really strikes me as Arsenal a few years ago. When they were like buying Otsul and Lacazette and Aubameyang when their issues were at the back, you're like you're scoring yeah. goals. Like, like is your strategy to just be really good Bournemouth? We'll outscore you. We'll concede that's, plenty, but we're going to score more goals. It, it I seems a very strange part, strategy. Same. I do think it's part of it. it. It reminds me of when United signed signed Falcao and Angel Di Maria when yeah. they weren't what they needed. There were great signings for the excitement. Like, this is very much Chelsea taking advantage of the market now. Again, Because Chelsea they have the money, didn't have to furlough anybody. Like, they're exactly. in a really good spot financially. And, and a lot of other clubs aren't going big in the market this year. Like, let's be completely honest now. Timo Werner is only going to Chelsea, or has only gone to Chelsea because Liverpool pulled out of that deal. That's the only hmm. reason he... And Kai Havertz is only going to go to Chelsea if he no goes one else there. Has money. Because no one else is in. Because if Real Madrid, Liverpool, United, Bayern Munich, Barca, or any of those clubs were in from, he might still end up there, but it's unlikely. Um, so they can, you know, they can waft about the the pull of Lampard. I, I don't think that's a real thing. It looks like Thiago Silva is where they're landing with a centre back. I he's thirty six. Yeah, that's he, not that's know, not going to do it. He's thirty six, and and he and he hasn't been consistently good for a couple of years now. He's he pulls it out in big games, but let's remember he's also the reason they they play four center backs in a lot of games um <laughs> you know they looked at dunk they looked at declan rice who's not a center back at the moment and hasn't been for a couple of years and you hear the journalists make the excuse of oh there's not a lot of options out there options isn't the issue scouting is the issue for no. chelsea there's a bunch of quality center backs out there who would be much better options than dunk than rice than silva they're just not looking in the right places. Um, yeah. I don't think they've really scouted a whole lot this summer anyway. Literally just gone and, and picked big names. Zayic, good signing, but no one else was in from. Werner, good signing, only there because Liverpool pulled out of the deal. And Havertz, no one else is in from. Yeah, well, nobody um, has 90 million right now. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I, I, think, I think fourth is a fair estimation for next year, but... 
if they fall out of the top four, it will be because of that defense. Yeah, uh, I currently have them uh, third. We'll get to it later. It just in case the, the goal-scoring thing works out, um, we'll see. And there are talented center backs at the club. Uh, just Zuma and Christensen haven't become what I think a lot of people thought they would. Um, you know a- what I do, Kev? Hmm. Genuinely, I would take whatever budget... I would go to Inter Milan. I'd say, look, Milan Skriniar is sitting on your bench. Shush, shush, shush. Don't, don't give them ideas. I'm, I'm going to take him <laughs> for, for £50 million. I'm going to bring him in. You can and have I'm Zuma or Christensen. Ethan Ampadu. Yep, stay. You're staying mm. and you're starting. I am putting you in the team. You're going to make mistakes, but I'm going to live with it. Because <laughs> we're James making mistakes with way Ed. older players anyway. Exactly. exactly. You're better off with a young player making mistakes. He'll grow out of it. Him with with Scrinier, James and, and Chilwell, that's a defense that I can absolutely be very happy with moving forward. You could even play him as your holding midfielder and just give Christensen another shot because Christensen and, and Scrinier would be really good. Um, but like the likes of Zuma, those overly aggressive defenders who make a multitude of positional errors those type of defenders are not really suited to how Chelsea want to play. And I, I know Zuma had a really good season by his standards, but they're by his standards. They're not by everybody else's standards. Yeah. Um, and, and the goalkeeper situation's a mess. Like I said, a, a B, but yeah, fourth is where I have them for next season. And, I, and I'm not even all that in love with, with them being that high, to be completely honest. I still have big doubts on Lampard. Yeah, I, I think it's a, this is why I kind of said three, but with an asterisk, is I think it's two of Chelsea, Tottenham, and United, and any one of them could be the one that misses by a lot. Um, it's 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 going to be a really weird grouping yeah. next season. Um, moving next to Crystal Palace, um, I've given them a C-. Uh, they were terrible to watch for the vast oh, yeah. majority of the season. Ended the year on a winless streak of eight matches. But with all that, finished nine points clear of the relegation zone. Like, they did so much work in the first half of the season that they got away with it. Something that Leicester fans probably wish they were able to pull off as well. Um, the, the attack is just terrible. Bottom five in the league in goals, shots on target, chances created, assists, and more. Uh, if you look at some more ancillary statistics like touches in the box or expected goals. They were truly truly awful in the final third jordan ayu i actually think performed fairly well considering all of that yeah. but benteke shows no signs of life um tosin looked really good briefly and then was gone by like his third match i want to say with injury um the only upside there is that sorloth balled out in turkey um so maybe you bring him back and maybe he's just your starter day one um but Zaha and Townsend both had down years. Max Meyer started a whopping seven matches with zero goals and zero assists in them. Uh, Hodgson clearly preferred more defensive midfielders, but it's not exactly like Meyer forced his hand um, to get into the team. The defense is talented, but they're old and injury prone for the most part. Um, the right back thing, the fact they never bought one, that's why you and I gave them an F in January. Yeah was missing out on Ferguson. They had the deal agreed in the middle of the month and bargained and bargained. And then on deadline day, brought him in and he failed the medical. Just incredible ineptitude. But now you get him in for free anyway. So I guess... Good signing. Yeah, I guess all's well that ends well <laughs> with the Ferguson deal. They stayed up and they got him for free. So fine, whatever. 
Um, but really, just just a a weird as hell season. Just like Burnley, there were points where it looked like they'd be looking up the table rather than down. But uh, you know, you you lose seven of your last eight, and <laughs> things change pretty fast. But like I said, even with arguably the worst run that a club had this season, still finished comfortably safe. So I got to give them a little bit credit for that. So I've gone a C minus with the minus mostly being because of uh, the later events. Um, in terms of what, what they need, obviously a striker, like I said, maybe you just bring Sorloth and play him up front. Maybe you go back in for Batshuayi, who seemed to to like his time uh, on loan there, because now obviously they have Abraham Giroud and, and Werner, so you imagine Batshuayi is the, the fourth <laughs> out of those four. Um, so maybe they go back in for him. They've been leading the Eze race this whole time, but they need to get that done, because that, that has a lot of uh, um, Gerard Bowen vibes about it again, yes. where it was Palace the whole <laughs> way. And then they screw it up at the end. Um, the other one that I have is a is a real sneaky one. Is if they tried to snatch Marcus Edwards back um, from Portugal because he could play as the attacking midfielder or on the wing. Um, but that's that's kind of what I'm looking at for them. So yeah, C minus for the year. Obviously need a, a striker and attacking midfielder. Yeah, I, I think the C minus is definitely fair. Like you said, that the the run uh, in Project Restart was was an absolute abomination and and probably would have gotten a, any other man, manager fired. Um, I'm not sure what the, the long-term plan is with Palace uh, under the Hodge, but they're very much a Hodgey team. Um, I think I think they could do with, with buying a central defender. I know they've got a good group, but... They're all either injury prone or really old or both. And, you know, just for the long term future of the club, I think they could do with investing there. I think they could do with investing in a a young central midfielder who can add a little bit of something different. Because you look at McCarthy, Mm -hmm. MacArthur, a lot of these players do the same sort of thing. They just defend, yeah. Yeah, that's the thing. I mean, Milojojevic is a good player. Um, but again, he's just a defensive midfielder. He takes a great penalty, but you know, I mean, the Max Meyer thing has been a disaster. Kiate is another one of those defensive midfielders. I, I'd go a centre back, a young centre back. He doesn't have to be the best centre back in the world. Just someone that you can develop into, um, into how you play. And learning and, behind Sako and, and Cahill is a really good group to learn from. And as long as you can just stay fit, you'll be able to play. Exactly. That's And that's the thing. You'll get your minutes. I mean, you're, you're completely right. They need... The big question with them is what happens with, with Zaha. I don't know that there's going to be a whole lot of teams in for him this season. Yeah, I don't think anyone's COVID. interested. And and he had a really down year at the same he time, did. right after so claiming he was way... worth like 80 million. Yeah, I mean, they probably out of a move last year with, with a ludicrous valuation. Um, but I do think Everton could come back in for him um, in, in for him this year. And I think... <laughs> Double dip with the Balassi. Could... <laughs> yeah, but, you know, it didn't. that didn't work at all. But I think if you could get 45 million for him this year and then turn that into... Uh, you know, EC, like you, you mentioned, and maybe another one who plays on the other side. Um, it's tough. They definitely need a striker. Sor- Sorlat is 
potentially the option, but he apparently wants to go to Leipzig. So, you know, I mean, maybe you could try and swing a deal where you bring Adamola Luckman back to England. Hmm. You know, Luckman would be Luckman and Etsy as either side of a front three could be really good. Yeah, you still need your number nine. You know, you'd still need your nine. What do you think but of the Betuaye deal? I love it. That's exactly who I'd go for if I was them. That is exactly he's a proven goal scorer. He loves life in London. He enjoyed playing for Palace the last time he was there. That as a front three is something you can work with. And then if you've got Koyate as your box-to-box midfielder, Milojojevic as your kind of sitting, holding player, and then MacArthur knitting things together as he does in midfield, that's a strong unit. It's not exciting, but it's a strong unit. Mm. Bring in one more just for a little bit of depth or a little bit of variety. Um, you're going to be stuck with Meyer's contract because you overpaid for him. Yeah. And then... You know, uh, Patrick Van Aanholt is a, is a good left-back, obviously better going forward than defensively, but he's a good player. Ferguson's now in, in you know, in-house at, at right-back. Matty Pollock is the centre-back I'd go for from Grimsby. Ooh, he's only 19, but he might only actually be 18. But he's, he's really, really talented. He's very much in the kind of Tarkovsky... Um, Michael Keane sort of school of a defender. He'd actually be a, be an ideal Burnley centre back, but Palace are a similar enough team to Burnley and you know how they set up. So he's someone you could bring in at his age who can then develop behind Scott Dan, Martin Kelly, uh, James Tompkins, Gary Cahill, and and Mamadou Sacco. And because they're all injury prone, he'll get games. He might only need to play in the cups. But that's more than enough for year one for a young centre back. Yeah, and then, and then you've started to turn your team over. All of a sudden, you've got a front three who are all kind of twenty six and below. You've got a young centre back, a young right back. Next summer, then you go out and you maybe bring in uh, another starting midfielder. Maybe then you refle- replace Van Aanholt. You know, and you can start to build something. As things stand, though, Kev, I have to be honest. I have them in in 18th for next year. If they don't make those moves, yeah, I, if, I have them. If they in, don't make the right moves, yeah, I have them in 14th, assuming that they do. But uh, yeah, I, I don't think either of us are under the illusion that they'll be really challenging the top 10 much of next season. It it, it feels like they're about to hit a transition period, uh, and typically those aren't the smoothest times uh, for clubs. Uh, one of your favorite times on the show is is when you get to talk about the Ev. Uh, ended up yeah. uh, not having the season they would have liked, but they end up with a fantastic manager at the helm. Uh, what did you make of their year on the whole? Um, there's two sides to it. There's the, the year they actually had, which I think given the expenditure, given the expectation, um, given how hard they tried to get Marco Silva in the door, and, you know, how much it cost them to get him in the door to then bin him off so quickly. Um, I, I think it's a I think it's a D minus for, for Everton. However, getting Carlo is obviously massive uh, in terms of, you know, his name, his reputation, who he is and what he's done. But the one thing he hasn't done and the one thing he's never shown the ability to do is to rebuild the team. And Everton, despite what we now three summers in a row they spent big money and this one is looking like the fourth they've gone backwards you know far too much turnover of players far too much turnover of managers 
massively disappointing. I mean, for them to finish a, a 12th below Southampton, who were odds-on favourites to get relegated in, like, November, um, just shows what a, what a dreadful, dreadful year they had. 17 points from top four when, you know, their aim was to not get top four, but certainly push for top four. Their aim was to be Leicester, basically. And they fell a long way short. So I'll go with D minus. Um, but I do think there's a lot of promise to be had there. But I think the missteps they've made in the last couple of years have really cost them. Yeah, I mean, some of the purchases have just been really, really rough. I mean, uh, Gabamin getting injured so early in the season really threw them off in midfield. Uh, and now they're being linked with a Drisagana guy again. Um, which, you know, if he's willing to come back, that, that probably solves a lot of your issues right there. Um, Sadibe didn't end up being what they needed. Awobi and Delph both feel like misfires at this point. Moise Keane, hopefully, hopefully you get more trust in him under Ancelotti. Um, but I, I do think Calvert-Lewin looked looked pretty decent at times, which which surprised me. I, I kind of thought he was a bit of a nothing player um, for mm. a while there. Um, but I mean, Lucas Dean is, is clearly the best player at that club right now, which probably isn't yeah. ideal. Um, so... Pickford continues to struggle. Um, you, you talk about clubs that are wanting to flirt with Dean Henderson. I mean, mm. it, it would be drama in the England dressing room. <laughs> but uh, It would. But it would. I, now, and the thing is, they'll find a buyer for Pickford because he's England's number one. Yeah. So someone will be silly and they'll pay, not what you paid for him, but they'll pay a substantial fee for him. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. But yeah, there's... Oh, there's Chelsea. <laughs> Actually, you know what? <laughs> do, do you want your goalkeeper that lets in needless goals to have an English accent? <laughs> go, for, go for Pickford. Um, yeah, I think there are a lot of holes in the squad, but because of some of the crucial injuries in midfield, I'm not really sure. Like, like they've spent so much. They have so much, so many players in the squad that it's like, where do you say that they go and buy? Because you have options on the wing. Um you ha- on both wings, really. You have options up front. If maybe maybe you think Calvert Lewin is is your two, and then Moise Keane is is like your third as a prospect. But but he needs to be getting minutes, and if he doesn't, he's going to leave. It's a it's a weird one to assess. To be honest, I, I really didn't land with any any buys that I thought made a lot of sense. Um, I thought maybe flirting with um, a John Stones return or maybe a Juan Foyth to to help distribute from the back a bit more. I don't know. It's a weird one for me. It is. It's it's very very weird. Um, I, I've said all along that I don't. I've never rated Jordan Pickford all that highly. Um, I, I I think if he wasn't English, I think he'd be seen as a as a kappa, and he'd have been he'd have been um, shipped out. Mm-hmm. I think they definitely will need a right back. Um, like you say, Sadibi didn't work out. Now you could try and keep him. And and maybe hope that year two is better. It's always difficult bringing in a player on loan when there's no obligation to buy and they don't know what their future is going to be. Mm. Especially as it gets towards the end of the season, they start to feel like, oh well, I'm probably not going to be here next year, so I don't really want to get injured and end up stuck at a club I don't want to be at or who don't want me with an injury. And let's not forget, he's not all that long removed from being France's number one at, at the right back position. So he is a good player. Um, but yeah, they they'll need a right back. If I was them, I'd be calling Nottingham, Nottingham Forest about Matty Cash. I'd imagine Forest will get a That's lot of goals by Cash. 
But Cash and Dina as your as your wing back as your full backs uh would be really, really good. Um in the middle, I mean they've got Keane, they've got Mina, they've got Holgate. I think they're all good. I think they're all they're all different styles. It's about finding the pair if Yerry Mina could stay fit, he would be one. And then it's who goes with him. I, I really mm. like Holgate. I think he's as a a man marker and someone who can sweep your other centre back. I think Holgate is good. You paid thirty billion for Michael Keane. Um, yeah. It's a lot to pay for your third centre back. But I wouldn't I, be surprised I, if somebody's going to come sniffing around him. Just a, a lot of the big clubs are starting to deal with homegrown issues. If really I wouldn't was be West surprised Ham, if somebody. Yeah. If I was West Ham, that's that's who I'd probably go with for. Yeah, I think that would work. I, I genuinely do. Um, then you look in midfield. I mean, Gabaman is is good. He just can't stay fit for them. But if he does, he'll be a good player. Uh, they need to move on from the Gilfy, Andre Gomes. Uh, you know that slow, stagnant style of midfielder. Ship them out. I know you paid big money for them. Whatever. It's time to cut your losses. Move them to on, and just don't give yourself the opportunity to play them. Delphi, I like Tom Davies more than a lot of people, but he hasn't developed properly. I think as a third centre midfielder who you bring in in certain situations, he'd be fine. But they need to go and buy a starting central midfielder. Uh, you mentioned um, Idris Aganagay. If they got him back, him and Gabaman, that would be a really good pairing in midfield. It would help the defence uh, a lot. Uh, exactly. And it would help the attack because the attack would then be a bit more free. Your fullbacks could get forward a bit more. Um, I think I'd move. I, I'd go with a Wobi on the right and try and simplify his game a little bit. Play him tucked in, uh, in more of like sort of an inside right channel than as a right winger, and try and use him a bit more as a playmaker because I do think he's a good player. Try and get him into the box. Try and get him touches in the box. I think he can be a good player. As I mentioned with Palace, I, I think they might go for Zaha. And if you have Iwobi and Zaha as your wide players, they'll work exceptionally hard. You'll get creativity from one. I think you could potentially get goals from both. Um, actually, you, you could get you'll get different levels of creativity from both. Um, up front, I mean, they shouldn't have sold Luckman. They shouldn't have sold uh, Onyekoro, but they did. I think Calvert Lewin is a, is a number three striker. I don't think he's a starter for a team with any kind of ambition for the top end of the league. But he did have a good season. I, I would just roll the dice and go with Keane and Richarlison up front and just say, look, this is what we're doing. And we're going to go with it for the year. And if it doesn't work, then we'll readdress it next summer. But we ha we spent a ton of money on Moise Keane. And we might only have one more year of Richarlison. So let's just go for it. Mm -hmm. if, if, the, if it clicks... Those two are talented enough to be one of the best strike pairings in the league. They're both immensely talented. And if you have Zaha and Awobi giving them support, plus Maddy Cash, for example, and Dinia providing uh, supply from, from, from wide areas, that could be really good. And if, if it's uh, Ghana Gaye and, and Gabaman with Holgate and Mina, that as a block of four should give you enough... Uh, defensive solidity to to allow yourself to go forward and attack the the big one they met, messed up with is Nikola Vlasic who they they let go to uh CSK yeah. in Moscow if they had a buyback on him I, I would absolutely be in favor of them going and and bringing him back I think he's fantastic I think he'd be a great fit in how 
how they want to play. You look at how Carlo used Zielinski at Napoli and Vlasic could play that role per- perfectly. Decore, I'd swerve that one. Absolutely. Hmm. They've been linked with Alan. I, I assume it's Alan or Ganagaye. Alan is probably the better player, but he's also 29 and he has slowed a little bit. Gaia is, is a little bit older, but he's he doesn't rely on his physicality as much. He's he's quicker. He's more about you know anticipation and getting to where he needs to be. I, I think I'd go for Gaia over Alan, but I can see why Carlo would want Alan. Yeah, I think Alan would be a great one if they could get him in. Obviously. Uh, the priors with uh, Angelotti there. Um, I don't know if Decore would be as big a mistake as you're thinking, but he could certainly become one. Like that could be one of those three years from now. Everybody's like, why the hell did they do that? I, I think I, I do rate him fairly well, although obviously he didn't have the season he, he had the previous two. Uh, my issue with Decore is I don't think you can trust him in a midfield too. Um, but mm. I have Everton penciled in for ninth next year. Um, I think it's growth because I don't think they'll do all the right things I yeah. think they'll make rash decisions and I think they'll probably try and and star hunt a little bit you know Alan is a, is a big name Zaha has a big name I think they could be good signings but I don't know that they'll address the defense I don't know they'll address the goalkeeper situation um so I've got them for ninth because I just think there are eight teams in the league who are unquestionably better than them and will be better than them next mm. year yeah, uh, similar thinking as always. I, I have them in 10th um, for next season. I, I don't think it's going to go the way that, that they want in in particular. And and like we said, they have so many players, but they also have so many needs, and it's going to be hard to balance those. Um, and then all of those new players coming in obviously need that year to adjust. So it's going to be an interesting one, uh, but maybe not an exciting one for Everton fans who have, who have expected to drive up the table the last few years now. Um, you mentioned that they were kind of similar to Leicester. We'll move on to them now. Uh, end up finishing fifth, um, which at the start of the season, I'm sure most Leicester fans would have taken. But the way that they got there is just so disappointing. I've, I've just punted. I've gone with a C because it was an A and then it was an F. <laughs> so just kind of yeah. balanced it, it out there. One of the hardest teams to grade for the season because they were so good at the start of the year. I think they went on an eight or nine game winning streak. That, that was like a match or two before the Southampton result um, that everybody can't stop talking about this year. Uh, it seemed like everything was clicking. Madison and Tielemans in midfield. Uh, Harvey Barnes was still playing well on the left. Perez was looking inspired on the right. Vardy scored buckets of goals, ended up being the golden boot winner. Uh, the defense was looking decent enough to, to sustain. Ricardo Pereira is an amazing player and not enough people talk about it. Um Chilwell, I, I don't really know if I buy Chilwell, to be honest. I loved him as a prospect, but I don't know if he's turned into the player that I thought he would. Maybe, maybe that's more of a style thing than a, than a talent thing. Um, but everything was just absolutely rolling for them, um, including the the lucky breaks against Tottenham, which really helped start their really good uh, run of form and vaulted them up to the top four, I think, for the first time in the year. And then they stayed there <laughs> until right at the end, obviously. Um, but yeah... It, the injuries, I think, really hurt them. Um, Madison and Pereira both going out around similar times, I, I think, really damaged them. I, if memory serves, they were their two top creators um, statistically mm. when they each went out, which that's just really hard to come back from. Um, I think Tielemans had a pretty bad dip in the second half of the year as well after looking so bright in the first. He got tired, didn't he? Yeah, yeah. It, it just 
it felt like they just hit a wall and you could call it regression but i don't that's not what it felt like it just felt like the little things that were bouncing their way weren't anymore so i guess like luck regression more than more than talent i I think barnes was pretty disappointing in the second half of the year especially after the restart um so yeah I, i just think things got a little iffy for them the the further they went on but um I, I don't know how much you can blame the club or the players. I, I mean, if they had finished in the top four, that would have been a really good achievement for them. Um, so falling short of something that wasn't expected, I, I don't know how much you can punish them for that. I, I do think the person you have to ask questions of, though, is, is Rodgers. Um, yeah. Only because this this is not the first time that he's been manager of a club that looked set for a thing and then just missed out on that thing. Um. I don't know if it's a mentality thing. Maybe that's an unfair assessment. Like I said, that the squad wasn't expected to do that. So maybe falling short of it, it isn't really a, a reprisal. I I just keep an eye on Rodgers. We, we obviously did our end-of-season segment with Jim talking about Leicester. And he, and he brought up how trigger-happy the Leicester board has been in the past. So like if, if they're not in the top eight or so by November, would you be shocked if he was let go? he didn't seem to be and i obviously wouldn't be either so yeah i I just think it's weird so yeah on the season i've given them a c because it's it's a tough judgment for me um tale of two halves if you'll pardon the cliche um ended up with the fourth best attack and the sixth best defense so fifth doesn't really seem that off um just the way they did it it seems really weird uh in terms of need it looks like Chilwell is off now um so they're gonna need a left back it sounds like they're they're gonna go hunting at a at Ajax for Tagliafico, which is interesting because Chelsea were also interested in him. And Chelsea don't need more homegrown players. I don't know why they're not just going for Tagliafico and saving all that money, but whatever. That's fine. Uh, I also thought Estupinian would be a really interesting one um, for Leicester if they lose Chilwin and they have that money in the bank. Um, up front, we've, you and I have talked about this maybe every time we've done this ever, <laughs> that they need Vardy and Schmeichel um cover slash prospect yeah. um i thought he actually took a, a decent step forward this year i don't think he's ever going to be the player he flashed at city but no. but um he did look a little bit better so my 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 sneaky dutch shout is uh myron boadu if you're looking for oh, like, like a, a similar ish style to vardy you know he won't put away every chance but a lot of times he's gonna have one-on-ones you have him you have barnes you have perez on the wing I think I think you could do something there, and uh, obviously a, a I don't want to comp them too much, but they tried a similar thing with Ahmed Musa. Uh, super didn't work out, and, and that's been the issue is is they brought in so many people to supplant Vardy, and none of them have actually managed it. But I, I think Boado is young enough that you can do the development without the expectation of minutes all of the time, and then whenever Vardy steps down, which doesn't seem soon, I mean he's coming off of a Golden Boot season, but if it's it's one or two years, then you know Boado is. is 20 to 22 um then maybe he steps in there as for the goalkeeper I, I i don't know i realize how hard it is to bring in a goalkeeper to sit behind you that is of any merit so maybe they're just stuck with schmeichel until he's done and then you just spend the money when he's gone um it, i don't know how much they're gonna sell they could really fill the coffers if, if they're willing to let go of some players um, I'm absolutely stunned that tottenham didn't go in for indeedy who we've scouted all the way back since his France days, but but uh, Mourinho preferred Hoybier in that position, which is interesting because he hasn't been there long term. But if you're looking for more leadership than just solid play, I, I guess it isn't too crazy. 
Um, but indeed he could go. Uh, I think um, I just forgot his name. The winger that was supposed to be good like 12 years ago and just keeps not doing it. Albrighton? No, I mean, <laughs> well, <laughs> arguably. Um, Damari Gray? Yes, Damari Gray. Thank you. Um, you can probably sell him and get some money. If you're selling Chilwell, you're probably getting some money. I do think they need another uh, center back potentially um, yeah. to to either pair with Soyuncu or to be the replacement or both. Um Man, I'm really struggling with their players right now. The other center back, they bought the same window as Sionchu that they put out on loan again because he didn't quite make the grade yet. Yeah, 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 Benkovic, Philippe Benkovic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So maybe you bring him back. Maybe he's that guy. Maybe you have to go in the market to get it. Um, Not really sure. But yeah, I I think left back and center back are probably the two mains and then start thinking about your your strikers and your goalkeepers uh, moving forward. And, And as for next season, I have them projected at seventh. I have them projected at eighth for next season. And Are I, we I, actually I, the same person? Well, I think we might be. Um, I, I, <laughs> I think you're right with the C. I think definitely it's an A until Liverpool go to the King Power and wipe the floor with them just after Christmas. And it's an F from there on. And again, you're right in that no one expected them to get top four, but everybody expected them to get top four when football restarted. They had a nine-point lead, I think, on United. They were... uh, So, 538.com had them at 98.2% likely... At the highest. ...to finish top four. Yeah. Not even to finish second or third, just to finish top four. And somehow they finished fifth. And that is a massive failing. Brendan Rodgers just believes his own hype. I I don't think... I think he is... Is is Eddie Howe with with more press. He, He can't figure out the defense i mean look i know they had a good defensive record this year but look at the players they had Pereira's arguably the second best right back in the league chilwell is a top two or three left back i think sayonchu is one of the three best center backs in the league yeah schmeichel's a good goalkeeper johnny evans is a good center back and you have indeed be protecting it all indeed he's one of the best holding midfielders in europe so i don't think it's a surprise now looking at the squad um I agree with you. They definitely need to look for the long-term success of the Schmeichel. I don't even think it's a long-term thing. I think it's it's a next summer thing. I think I would be looking to give Schmeichel one more year and then say goodbye. I know he had a good season, but I, I would be looking to do that. Um, at right back, they're, they're set. Pereira and James Justin, really, really good. If, if Chilwell will go, so they'll need a starting left back. They do have Luke Thomas there, young player, who's a good quality backup left back, good young prospect. But a start will be needed. I'd go for Sergio Regulon. Um, Ooh, I have him going somewhere else later, but yeah, it's a good show. <laughs> allegedly available for about eighteen million, but he's not the only one. I mean, you mentioned um, you mentioned a couple of guys. You could also look at Alex Tellez from mm. Porto, who I think twenty five million probably gets him. And if any of Regulon. Tagliafico or Alex Tellez are immediate upgrades on Ben Chilwell anyway. Mm. And if you're getting 50 million for Chilwell and only spending 20 to 25 on the replacement and getting better, that's that's really good business. So I think they'll sort that. I think Sayonchu's, I think Van Dyke and Laporte are the only centre-backs in the league better than him as, as things stand. I think others are maybe more talented but have had down seasons or are on, on the regression side of their career. Mm. Um, I would look to buy a starter to pair with him. And then I think Benkovic 
and Evans as a backup pair is really, really strong. Um, I'd look at Osan Kabak, the young Turk at Schalke. Yeah, Schalke it's going to be really himself. curious where he lands. He'd be great signing for them. He's he's the perfect partner for Sionchu. He's going to partner him for the national team for the next decade. So that's what I'd do. The other option is you know go back for Mary Demerel. I mean, there's a bunch of options, but Mary Demerel, they were linked to it in January. Yeah, almost I'd had it done when he got hurt. Yeah, he tore his ACL. And that's the risk. You sign him now off the back of an ACL. Juve might not sell with the change over there. Uh, Pirlo might want to see what he has. But uh, I, I'd go for Quebec. I think if you get... If you could turn Ben Chilwell into Sergio Regulon and Osan Quebec yeah. and not spend any money, I think you're absolutely laughing. In midfield, I, lo- I love what they have in midfield. Ndidi's brilliant. Telemans is brilliant. Madison's brilliant. I really like Harvey Barnes. And then you've got the likes of Gray, Albrighton, um, Hamza Chowdhury. Uh, what's the other guy's name? Dennis Pryat. They're all quality yeah. backup players. Um, Perez isn't a winger. And I think Albrighton and Gray are better suited to, to squad roles. Mm. They've been linked with Trinkiao from, from Barca yeah. on loan. If I was them, I, I'd go and I'd knock about David Brooks. I'd go and I'd knock Great about job. Dwight McNeil. The other option would be, we mentioned him early, er, uh, earlier, Emi Buendia. Yeah. Bring him in on the right-hand side. But I, I don't know that... I think I like Buendia more as a 10, though. Yeah, probably. And you already have Madison think... and Prate. Exactly. So I, I think he's kind of just repeating what you have with Madison. I'd go for Brooks. Yeah. Um, because yeah. then Brooks, Telemans, Ndidi, Madison, and Barnes, that is absolutely something you can build with. Vardy up front... Like you said, Iheanacho took, took a step forward this year, but you really want to bring in a long-term successor because Iheanacho, absolutely fine as your backup. Yeah. Moving forward. I mean... He wasn't I, before, I, but that's the step he made. <laughs> now he's good enough thing. to be your backup. I wouldn't be against... If I was Leicester, I wouldn't be against ringing Everton and saying, look, why are you doing with Moise Keane? Mm-hmm. You want to keep him or you want to sell him? Because we'll offer you 20 million now. He'd be such a good deal. scheme fit. We'll just take him and, and you don't have to worry about him anymore. That's that's what I do. I I think if they could add those four players, Quebec, Regulon, uh, Brooks, who I think you'll get at a good price from from Bournemouth. I think twenty million probably gets him now, where he's probably a forty million pound player last summer, um, but a year out and them them gone down, and and Keane take advantage of the situation at um, yeah at Everton. I think Leicester are in a great position. My big. My big doubt on them is Rogers. I, I just, I mean, I saw him up close and personal for, for his time at Liverpool. He had 18 really good months where he turned the team over to Luis Suarez and just let Suarez go mad. He doesn't have a Suarez at, at Leicester. But what they do have is a great young squad who, under the right manager, and again, to throw his name in, under Pochettino, yeah. this is a team that goes places, genuinely. So, and again... Wealthy owners, ambitious club. It's the type of project that I think could appeal to him yeah. um, if, if he's willing to settle for a second-tier job rather than can you, you know, those elite jobs. Can you imagine him rocking up at Leicester when they're the club that he th- views took our title? Yeah. Because he's, he's, he's literally done an interview where they asked him what he thought about Leicester, and he said, they have my title. Um, that would be a very interesting yeah. thing. I don't think you're wrong though on, on any of the analysis points. Um, so yeah, I, I still have them seventh though. I, I think they might improve in some ways, but it's going to be hard to replace 
Chillwell and probably Indeedy. Maybe Indeedy stays. Maybe it's one of those just because it's this stays. depressed I think window. Sell one. Yeah, that would be I think that would be pretty one, impressive. Like last year with Maguire, I think they sell one and they keep the rest. Well, I'll say if you're right, then my seventh and your eighth look a little harsh. But uh, you know, there there might be changes, maybe, and and, but... and maybe that accounts for the Rogers firing if that happens. Mm. Is, then they'll have to readjust after that. But yeah, so so maybe maybe being harsh with our seventh and eighths, maybe maybe looking up the table from that spot a little bit more than than down. But maybe that's, that's their that's floor. That's not saying they could get better if they bought the right players. I, right. I don't trust Brendan Rodgers to do that <laughs> or or Lee Conjurton who's the head of recruitment to do the right thing their recruitment at Celtic was an absolute disgrace yeah but uh, Leicester's Conjurton, scouting department is so good it's like how, how is that going to average out I don't know that's the thing who's got who's got who's the got the power there? yeah great shout great shout yeah all right I guess we can talk about Liverpool now you want a title in that yeah just just the small matter of, <laughs> of being Premier League champions um running away with it in fairness uh, I know that the, you know, we 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 dipped obviously after the restart, but from from August to March, I genuinely believe is the most dominant any team has been in a Premier League season. Um, and I think it statistically it, was right. You you got the earliest title clinch in history, if memory serves. Yeah, yeah, and you know, it, put it this way: if we had lost every game after the restart, we still would have won the league by, you know. Wow. By a little bit. So um I think it's an A. I think we have very little to do uh this summer, but we do have bits to do. We needed a backup left back. We got that with Simicus. Um yeah. we need it, we need a center back. Uh Quebec is one that's been linked, but I think he'd be better off going to Leicester. Uh, I would like to see us go and buy Robin Cock. The, the German centre-back. I think he's yeah. a really good fit for he's us. He's being he's linked to like every club right now. Mm. Like Tottenham, Leeds, Liverpool. He's he's all over the place right now. He's out of, out of contract next year. He's naturally left-footed, so he'd be the backup for Van Dijk that we need because um, we have Gomez and Matip in the right-side centre-back role. Um, we're set at right-back with Trent and Nico. I think we could do it one in midfield. I think we could do with a starter in midfield, if I'm being honest like a proper legitimately top class player i think that's why um, all the tiago stuff makes so much sense yeah and I, and I think that deal will happen i genuinely do think that deal will happen and then we need we need one for depth up front that's what we need so we need three players um center back one in midfield and one for depth up front like a really good young player who can come in and push or maybe someone in the mid-20s who's a level below the front three, but could operate all across the front three. Uh, I, I'd actually, Lucas Acampus, I'd actually love to see us go and get. Yeah. I think he fits the bill. I think his mentality is exactly what we want. I think you could potentially mold him into being your Firmino replacement. Um, yeah, Lucas Acampus, Thiago Alcantara, and and Robin Cock at centre back, I think that would would set us up really well. We, we'll obviously need to sell, but I mean, on this podcast alone, I've sold Marco Grujic to uh, to. The, <laughs> I'm definitely finding a club to take Divock Origi, and um, I'm sure I'll find a home for Harry Wilson as well as we go. <laughs> sounds sounds like a plan. Uh, we didn't get to do a Liverpool uh, end of season segment, obviously, knowing we'd have you on here for the full transfer one. So, w- without raining on any parades, is, is there any twinge of disappointment 
that you didn't win more things considering how dominant you were this year as a team? For me, absolutely. Um, in January, we had a real opportunity to put together maybe the best season anyone else had ever had. We were unbeaten and, I mean, there wasn't a team close to us in the league. So, you know, an unbeaten season was not likely, obviously, because it's only ever been done once in the Premier League era, but it was, a, a, you know, a, a good possibility. The treble was a possibility for us. Um and the record points tally was the possibility for us. But we fell, we fell a little bit short. Um, I, I just think when you look at the mentality after the restart, once the title was won, once City couldn't catch us, our lads were basically on the beach from then on. Um, the performance away to City was embarrassing, but... You know, it is what it is. We lost to Arsenal in a game where we wiped the floor with them and made two bad errors. From very uh, surprising then, sources. Yeah, exactly. You know, probably the only the only real errors they made all season. Um, so th- it is a little bit, and I do think we were better last season in 1819 than we were this season in 1920. You know, 97 points and winning the Champions League as opposed to 99 and going out in the round of 16. Um, and I think if we were still in the Champions League, I think we'd be, you know, we'd be in the final. We'd because we would have mm. got Leipzig, we would have beaten Leipzig, we would have got PSG, we would have beaten PSG, and it would be us versus Bayern in the final. Ooh, and I don't know about that one. Bayern are so good. They are, but are they better than us? Look what we did to the Premier League this year. Yeah, Bayern have been good for a few months. We've been great for two years, bar the, the dip. But if we'd still had Champions League football and the mentality had stayed the way it was, I don't think Bayern beat us. We've mm. got we've got a better goalkeeper. We've got a better back four. And I would take our attack over theirs. They have a better midfield. And yeah, Jordan Henderson would be injured probably, but we'd still have Naby. We'd still have Fabinho. We'd still have um, Ginny Wijnaldum. I, I would take us to beat Bayern Munich in a one-off game. Mm. We did it last year twice. Yeah. Oh, well, once, but, you know, I played them twice. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. I, I mean, it, it has to be an A, but I was just curious if, if there's like a what what could have been element to this. Um, so, yeah, uh, as for needs, you kind of addressed a lot of them. I think Tiago is is a really good fit. It, have, has the idea of bringing in an attack-minded midfielder just passed? Is that just no longer part of your style? I think in the system that we play at the moment... Um, yeah, it seems to just be a, a non a non starter. I'd love to see us do it. I mean, I'd love to see us go and get Kai Havertz and move to a four two three one, or Martin Odegaard and you know do the same. Play them Mane off the left, Bobby the ten behind Mo, and then Fabinho plus whoever in the midfield. Be it Naby, be it Henderson, be it Ginny. Horses for courses in different games. I'd love to see us add, you know, a more creative element, um, someone who'll get you a few more goals in, from attacking midfield. I really wanted Bruno Fernandes, I thought, in, even in our midfield three, putting Bruno on the right of that three. I think he'd be a much better fit than he is at United, where I know he's had a great start with, you know, his goals and assists. But I think he's more suited to playing as an eight than a ten. And I think he's more suited to playing how we play than how United play. 
Yeah, it was only mildly soul-crushing when uh, Bruno Fernandez wound up at United, and he only didn't end up at Tottenham because we abandoned that in pursuit of the Dybala deal, which now feels ages ago. <laughs> um, but yeah, so an A for you. Unfortunately, next year I have you projected to finish second. I'm sure that will raise ire. Uh, just the thinking being that it's A, very difficult to win the title two consecutive seasons. Mm-hmm. I think City will invest really big. <laughs> I mean, the idea of Laporte and Koulibaly as a defensive pairing is just absurd um and i i don't know i i don't want to like question the the uh will of the team but i i think winning the title was a big thing you obviously have the champions league uh, i i just think there might be enough of a dip in motivation to to get city back in there who are obviously insanely talented and uh, i expect to have a much better season next year fair unfair um Fair. I don't think Koulibaly and Laporte is is a good pairing at all. Um, I don't think Koulibaly is the right signing for them. Mm, like at just all. as a duo, despite the time. as a duo, it doesn't work. Koulibaly plays left side centre back. The guy hasn't yeah. played on the right side in about nine years. So you're <laughs> going to bring him in. He's already started to decline slightly. He's still a great player. Don't get me wrong. Yeah, the but Champions League performance didn't help. He's 29 years of age. You're going to bring him in. And then ask him to play in a position he's not familiar with, which means realistically you're going to get about eighty percent of his best for the first six months or so until he learns the position. He might never learn it properly. Some don't. Some don't adjust to swapping. Um, I don't like the. I don't think Koulibaly's the right. He's also like, let's look at the player. He's good on the ball. He's a very good one v one defender. He reads the game really well, but. He's not the best in the air. I mean, his his aerial win percentage is, is surprisingly low for a player of his build. Mm. And I think they've got a lot of issues. They, they, they don't have a left back that you can really rely on. I think Walker started to decline. Um, Canseo can't defend at all. Um, I'm not overly sold on the goalkeeper. I think if he wasn't as good at his feet... I don't think he'd be nearly as highly rated. He's a good goalkeeper, but he's not a great goalkeeper. Um, I think there's big question marks in midfield. Silva's gone. Fernandinho's aging. I, I don't know that Rodri is the perfect fit with a midfield that includes Kevin De Bruyne and another attacking midfielder. Um, I'm not sure Ferran Torres is what they think he is. He he has an awful lot of Jesus Navas about his game, which doesn't translate to playing as an inside forward in a three, mm. especially if you're going to ask him to play on the left and be a, you know, a goal scorer. Uh, Aguero's a year older. And you have to factor in the loss of leadership. They lost Yaya. Then they lost company. Now they lose Silva. That's an awful lot of leadership and know-how and winning that has walked mm. out of your club. And they haven't been good in the transfer market. They True. really haven't been good in the transfer market. They spent big, but yeah, not a lot of them have landed. Like, look at their best players. Raheem Sterling signed before Pep. Kevin De Bruyne signed before Pep. Aguero before Pep. Fernandinho before Pep. Foden the academy. Foden from the academy. I mean, the core of what's made them... I, I mean, we have to give them Laporte, who's incredible been great but he's injury but he's had true. some injuries that's true what happens if he gets hurt again then you're back to playing autumn endy and Stones. eric garcia doesn't want to stay yeah you know you might have looked at him as someone that could be a long-term solution he, he doesn't want to stay 
Um, you haven't figured out your full pack situation. I, I, I don't know. I, I think I think we will. I think we will dip. Absolutely. I don't think you can sustain the level that we've had the last two years for a third year. No one has done it. No one has has hit ninety five plus for three years in a row. City did it for two years and then massive dip last year. I think we will dip. I think they will get better. It's just a matter of whether they're whether they get. 10 or 12 points better and whether we get 8 or 10 points worse yeah you Fair know but, but they're the top 2 for next year um, I mean we might as well we're doing City now we might as well do them before we wrap yeah I was going to say you're, you're getting a little a, bonus City coverage <laughs> I think it's a C for their season mm. I think it's very disappointing that they end up with you know with nout <laughs> yeah. no major no major success this year um I think Pep's probably in his last year. I don't think Pep will stay beyond next season. I think that's partly why Barca went for Koeman. Mm. I think they're gonna. I think they're gonna open up whatever's left of the of the bank vault from the academy right the way through to the first team. Appoint your people, free reign. I think that's what they do. I think Xavi will come in as the director of football, mm. and Pep as the manager. So I think in in his last year. Why was Pep brought to the Etihad? He was brought to win the Champions League. League. Yeah. I think that's where their focus goes next year. I think they uh, go yeah, all in on the Champions League. And I think with the tightened league schedule, I think I think they maybe have a couple of games in the Premier League where they lose where they shouldn't lose. I think I have us first next year again. Mm. Um, but because I think City have I think they have a lot that they need to do. I think there's an awful lot more question marks over them. And yes, they'll go and spend big, but Will, will it be good? Yeah. Well, that's fair. Uh, for me, I've given them a D. I'm a little surprised you were gracious enough to give them a C because trophies. I still think second place, though. Yeah, yeah, for next season. Yeah. Uh, trophies are the barometer for City, and they only won the League Cup, which just, it, it's not enough for them. They finished a distant second in the league, limped out of both the FA Cup and the Champions League, two less talented sides. There were injuries, disappointing players etc. Led to Fernandinho starting all but two matches in defense. That's not going to do it. When for years you saw what happened in your midfield when Fernandinho was there and wasn't there. Like, I understand that Rodri was supposed to be the replacement, but that ain't it (laughs) is my professional analysis of Fernandinho starting every match at the back. Um, Gave them an A-plus for their summer window. Rodri, Cancelo, and Angelino, who obviously was already at the club, um, and wound up getting loaned back. I think all of them fell short of the expectations that would have been had of them and, you know, their cost, both fees and wages. Um, the bright side was obviously De Bruyne, who just was had a scintillating campaign. David Silva was really good in his, his uh, swan song, which is just soul-crushing. Regardless of what club you support, you, you have to be able to, to see the player that David Silva was and just an incredible player and, and really said that uh, we won't see him in the Premier League next year. Uh, although hilarious what happened between him and Lazio, but <laughs> we'll leave that there. Um, Bernardo Silva continues to look really bright. I'm not really sure. Uh, have we just com- converted him to a right winger now? Is he no longer an attacking midfielder? It feels that way, especially with, with Foden coming up and De Bruyne there playing so well. So I, I guess that's what we're sticking with. Um, but where does he play though? Like, He's too good not to start. Yep. But like Mares is a better winger than him because he's actually a winger. And yep. Because he's because he's actually a winger. 
And like you would have thought he'll just step in for David Silva, David Silva, but, but now that's Foden. they seem set on going with Foden. Yeah. And the other issue. And for good reason, well is, he looks brilliant. But oh he does. He's a great, he's a great young prospect. But I, I just don't see that De Bruyne, Rodri and Foden is a midfield that functions properly. I think mm. teams will overrun them. I think they, it's a very they, attacking midfield, yeah. It's very, very attacking. And Rodri's a really good fielder but what they need is a destroyer like Fernandinho or they'd Ndidi. have been much better off going and signing Wilf Ndidi exactly yeah. that's who I was going to say yeah, Wilf yeah. Ndidi is the ideal buy Base for them for this them. summer now it means either moving Rodri to centre back or just having him as a squad player and you paid a lot of money from be a squad player but they won't care At or you play the two together when you're be... playing defensively and just one of them when yeah. you're against weaker opposition and the two of them two of them and De Bruyne ahead of them um and then Sterling plus Aguero up front. That you know they've got they've got great players. Hmm. The centre back, I think they should go and sign. And and those who've only watched him in the last couple of Europa League games will probably disagree. But Diego Carlos, hmm. as an aggressive lead front foot defender, a natural right side centre back who shifted to the left because they had Kunde. They brought him in at the same time, so they shifted him. They shifted Carlos across. So he's even better on the right-hand side. I think him and Laporte would be a really good pairing. I'd actually like to see him stay. Again, I mentioned Schrinier earlier on. He'd be another good fit. Yeah. Um, the one I would go for if I was them, now that they may be a little bit late because it looks like he's on his way into Milan, but Kumbula from um, Hellas Verona, yeah. a proper old-school hard-nosed defender, very, very Diego Godin-like in how he works as a defender, but really good on the ball as well. Yeah, I think Him he's and- too young and prospecty for City, though, who always buy for now. True, true. But, I mean, he he's better than what they have. <laughs> he's better than Stones on he, the wrong foot. Or got Walker on his right and Laporte on his left, two guys that can help him through games, I think he could work. But yeah, maybe he's a bit too young, but I, I think there's better options for them at centre-back. I mean, Unai Nunes at Bilbao mm. or Ruben Diaz at Benfica Diaz would be is a great fits. shout. They'd be better fits than... Diaz might be the best of the three. Yeah, I didn't even think about that. Of, That's a really good one. You know, Ruben Diaz and, and Laporte, or even Ferro from Benfica. He'd have to shift sides, but yeah. he's young enough to do it. But Ruben Diaz and Laporte with Walker and a new left-back because I, I just, Mendy, uh, not for me. Can't trust him. Can't trust him. Can't stay fit either. I, I'd go for a new left back. And I'd go for Wilf and Didi. In, in, I'd rather he stay at Leicester, but I would try for him if I was City. I yeah. think if they added those three, uh, those three, like a, a center, uh, Ruben Diaz and Didi, and, and a good left back that you can rely on. We've mentioned a couple already. Yeah. Alex Tellez, maybe. Yeah, I'd so. I love a brilliant fullback. Yeah, you'd, you'll hate this, but this is actually where I have Regulon uh, ending up in mind. Yeah. And, and I think the the thing about it is they would buy him to be the backup to Mendy, and he wouldn't be by the end of the year. Like he, he I, I, I don't think he would be by October. <laughs> yeah, fair. Yeah, I think he'd win that job pretty heavily. You make some really good points on Kula Bailey, but, but doesn't it feel like they're a little too far down that road to not go down that road? I don't know. We'll see, but I, I, I do think Ruben Diaz would the be road they great. actually are because I don't that's trust fair. a lot of the information that's out there. Yeah, that's absolutely fair. There's there's a lot of a lot of smoke screening coming out of Italy, which is becoming more interesting both on the pitch and off it. Uh, mm. 
as as a kind of footballing topic. Um, but yeah, so I, that's that's who I had. But yeah, you're right. And Didi would be a a really big solution. Like you said, doesn't mean you're giving up on Rodri. That that wouldn't be ideal considering how much you spent for him last year. But um, he indeed he would be yeah, the you ideal base. Rodri into your centre back. I mean, if you're just going to turn all defensive midfielders into centre backs anyway, yeah, you know he's got the profile. You've done yeah, it before he's got the with, size, with Javi Martinez, which for Nandini doesn't. Got the size, have. good in the air. And look, yeah. I'm not saying Koulibaly is not a great player. Before anyone decide, decides to get too upset, <laughs> I just don't think you have he's mentions the right again. You have to be careful. <laughs> you yeah. know. Yep, yep. No, I, I think that's absolutely fair. Um, I think the fact that he's left-sided is why. Tottenham sniffed when we did, but uh, that's super not going to happen. So yeah, uh, gave them uh, a D for the year, projecting them at first next year. With those as the options, you gave them a C and are projecting them for second next year. Uh, And that's where we will wrap up uh, this first segment. You got an extra Man City out of us because it's really hard to not talk about Liverpool or City without discussing the other. Uh, But Dave, if you'd like to tell them where they could find you and part two of this podcast, which will come out later in the week, uh, where can they do that? Yes, so uh, at Two Footed Pod on on Twitter or email me Two Footed Podcast at gmail dot com. Um, the Two Footed Podcast is my new daily Premier League podcast. So I'm looking to do five days a week. We'll probably we might even have six podcasts a week on that feed um, as part of the new relaunch for for EPL Index. Um, and yeah, part two of of this will start with Manchester United run through to Wolves from last year's teams and then we'll we'll have a quick look at the uh at the three promoted teams as well. So cover all our bases and and uh it should be fun. Yeah, yeah, definitely be sure to go check that out. Uh, for anybody wondering what that means for this show, this show's still going to be around as well. We're just we're just going to be podcast brothers um, on two separate feeds, but both still under the uh, EPL index umbrella. We'll still have the championship pod and uh all of that. So so no worries there, but very excited to get to hear you more often. Maybe maybe I'll have to force myself onto one of those shows uh, some of the days, but obviously be sure to follow them. I think you said at uh, Two Footed Pod, but these, these shows obviously go up from EPL Index and you'll see all of their stuff uh, from the same place as well. So be sure to give them a follow. Uh, I'm Kevin DeVries. You can find me on Twitter at Kevroff. You can find the show at EPL Roundtable. Uh, and yeah, go go listen to that. Keep listening to this, and uh, later in the week we'll come back with part two as we kind of pick up from Manchester United and go all the way through Wolves and then even dabble, like you said, a a little bit into the promoted clubs as well. But thanks so much for joining me uh, today, Dave. Uh, I mean, you're joining me today for the other part also, but (laughs) appreciate it nonetheless, and uh, we will chat incredibly soon. Exactly. Talk soon. (laughs) Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.